Time again for another Word Balloon podcast. Welcome back. It's John Suntress here with a great double feature for you. We're going to start things off with Valentine Delandro, the excellent artist who's been doing wonderful work for years. Uh, he did an excellent run on X Factor. It's all X's. It's, I feel like, uh, Egghead. It's excellent. Uh, it was him and Peter David for uh, a good portion of the X Factor run. Um, lately, he's been doing amazing things with Image and Kelly Sue DeConnick on the uh, Smash Hit Bitch Planet. Issue 5 came out this week. Uh, the trade is coming out right at the beginning of October in time for New York Comic Con. And a uh, great opportunity to uh, wrap with Val. I've uh, meant to do this other than I think we had one floor interview, a uh, brief conversation so this is a long time coming, and really happy to present this conversation with Val Delandro uh, for part one of today's Word Balloon. Part two, he was back in town, so I got him in the studio. Heath Corson visited me right here in my radio studio, and uh, it was a great opportunity to sit down with Heath and talk about another great book that uh, is reaching uh, its uh, end of its arc. And there's actually about half of it left, uh, Bizarro. Issue four comes out next Wednesday, and uh, it's going to be a six-issue series. Uh, man, I'll tell you, he and Gustavo Duarte are just uh, doing such a lovely job on that book. It's very, very funny. The art is beautiful, and we talk about Bizarro. We talk about a lot of recent animation that Heath has been writing, and of course, Heath is a fellow podcaster, so we talk a bit about what's been going on on the Nerdist Writers Panel Comics Edition, which is the podcast that Heath is a part of. So, And I think, I can't remember now if Heath's going to be in New York or not. My mind's all jumbled. You'll forgive me, because I'm preparing for Cincy Comic Con happening this weekend, and uh, I can't wait to uh, bring you back uh, some panels and floor interviews that I'll be doing there, but in the meantime, you get to listen to Val and Heath on today's Word Balloon. It's all brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com, where amazing deals are happening right now at InStockTrades.com. On books like Descender, Trade Paperback Volume 1, man, Jeff Lemire, Dustin Nguyen, uh, such a beautiful, beautiful book. Volume 1, 10 stars, is available Available uh, at uh, half price, just $4.99. You can get Mark Miller and uh, Sean Murphy's excellent Chrononauts, the uh, wonderful arc uh, wrapped up the first uh, four issues. They've got a great trade for you. It's also 50% off, also at $4.99. You can get Archie's Giant Comic Spotlight. Uh, a big uh, volume, 50% off. These are cheapos, man. $3.99. We've got to get a couple big ticket items out, out there because if your orders are $50 or more, as you know, you'll receive uh, free shipping. How about uh, things like the Creepy Archives, Volume 22, featuring a beautiful Red Sonia cover. Man, uh, these Dark Horse Presents uh, Creepy Volumes are just excellent. They include the advertisements, and you've got stuff from Russ Heath, John Severin, Len Wein, Bruce Jones, Larry Hama, Jim Starlin, Terry Austin, Alfredo Alcala, and so many more. Uh, 240 pages, 42% off, $28.99. From IDW, you can get Judge Dredd Classics Dark Judges. With John Wagner and Brian Boland uh, among the creators, a Derek Robertson cover, it's uh, 38% off. It's just $17.49. You can also get Saga, Volume 5. I can't believe Saga's up to Volume 5 already. Fiona Staples and Brian K. Vaughn, beautiful work, 45% off, $8.24. That's just the tip of the iceberg. You want more great deals? They are waiting for you at InStockTrades.com. 
Okay, long time coming. Very happy to have Val Delandro finally on Word Balloon. We get into his secret origin and uh, talk a bit about uh, what's been going on with Val. He talks about leaving Marvel, uh, journeying into the unknown with uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick on Bitch Planet. And uh, man, what a beautiful book. We talk a lot about the design of the book and uh, just this experience of having a creator-owned book that really just made such a big splash and is such a huge fan favorite. Really happy for both of these creators, Cal and Val. So it's a pleasure to get uh, Val on. And if all works out, uh, we'll be talking to Kelly Sue in the weeks ahead as well. She's had a little personal tragedy. I don't know if you heard, but uh, Matt Fraction's father passed away. So I know that they're uh, they're dealing with the loss. And, uh, you know, obviously that's really tough on the family. But uh, we uh, we did talk in principle about trying to get together in October. Hopefully that'll still happen. But in the meantime, great conversation with Valentine Delandro now on Word Balloon. I'm happy to welcome Valentine Delandro, but we're going to be calling him Val throughout the conversation. But uh, we had a really brief I think it was C2E2 conversation on the floor on an old Word Balloon years ago. And I've always been embarrassed because, uh, Val, first of all, welcome to Word Balloon. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And as I told you then and I tell you now, I've always enjoyed your work. But not being an X-Men reader, I'm like, oh, these are beautiful pages. And you could not have been more gracious to me. And and really were just like, hey, I just want to tell you who I am and what I do. And I'm like... Oh, my God. And I'd look at your pages and be like, this is great. It's an X-Men book. Man, I am not an X-Men guy, but these are great. And you're a genius. And someday we are going to have something to talk about. And here we are with Bitch Planet. Thank God, because uh, I am so thrilled for all of you, not only uh, Cal and yourself, uh, Chris Peter, I had the uh, or Peters. I had the pleasure of meeting at a show and she couldn't be sweeter. And, um, you know, man, I just you guys are really, really talented and you've all come together and made this astounding book that I think has really shocked the comic market. So congratulations on uh, five excellent issues. I know issue five is uh, coming out next week. And uh, Kel, let me uh, get a sneak preview of it this week. So that was very nice. Oh, good. That's great. I'm glad you got a chance to take a look at it. That's very cool. And and thank you. Um all of that, everything that you said, thank you. That, that, that's excellent. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it was C2E2. Uh, I can't remember what year. but um, it's, it's been a couple of years. Well, let's do the, let's do the origin, yeah. the strange origin story of Val Delandro. So what, what got you into comics? What were your first comics? Uh, the first comics reading? Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Um, my, my grandfather had a couple old issues of Amazing Spider-Man. Cool. Back in the day, like Ditko number. Oh man, I, I'm I'm embarrassed. I don't remember the numbers, but it's it's the Spidey Strikes Back issues uh, when the the enforcers come after him. Oh wow. Okay. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I remember that's one of my earliest memories of 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 uh, reading and. Some Rich Buckley stuff, some All Star Squadron stuff. I remember that too. Awesome. Like the, the uh, the issues of Captain Marvel when he gets brainwashed by by Hitler. Yes, in, in All Star Squadron, and, and he and Superman go at it. Yep, that 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 is also a really really early memory. So when Kingdom Come came around, I mean that was that was like full circle for me almost uh, seeing Superman and and and, and Captain Marvel or Shazam. Or, <laughs> That's a or great whatever the yeah the, the, the correct. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> oh, I oh please. Yeah, I think uh, you yeah. and I are old enough. He's Captain Marvel. Sorry, DC. Sorry, yeah. I understand. But yeah, no, you know, it's the it's the, the words is transformation. It's okay. And I guess All now technically, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. whatever. It's and it's okay. <laughs> I, I I get it. But um, you know, I suppose I suppose Black Adam then was well. He was going to be Shazam, I suppose originally. Given the same powers and everything, maybe that was always the plan for him to take over from the old man. I miss the old man. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I mean, it's such a great story. I, it's one of those things that I think that if there was ever another live action, like a movie or something like that put out, with uh, it, it, it seems like it's just money in the bank. I mean, a kid that says a word and gets powers. I don't know how they can't market that to somebody at this point. Hey. They've done so many uh, uh, things that are similar to that already. Kids having powers. It seemed that that's the original. So I think I think that that would be that would be a strong sell for me. I would love to see that still. But um, anyway, uh, <laughs> I, would, I don't disagree. Have you seen the original uh, movie, uh, the cliffhanger uh, serial of Captain Marvel? Uh, you know what? It's been a while, and, and and I don't remember all of it. But I think I have seen a, a bit of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the monogram or whatever. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever that old studio was. Yeah, I mean, and yes. don't get me wrong. It's creaky the way that most you know ninety nine percent of the uh, cliffhanger serials were creaky. But mm-hmm. but really, as I'm sure you know too. I mean, the flying scenes are really impressive and. <laughs> I yeah. mean, God, they really – and I guess it was because they couldn't get the rights to Superman initially. The mm-hmm. the studio was like, well, let's do Captain Marvel. And yeah. and Fawcett's like, absolutely. And it was great. Yeah. I mean, it was well cast. The guy who was Billy Batson was decent enough and I think a, yeah. a good teenager. And uh, Tom Tyron, I believe, is uh, the guy who played Captain Marvel. He was a credible Captain Marvel. I, I mm-hmm. and, and, yeah, it looked like it literally came right from the comic. It's a, it's a great adaptation. Yeah, I think it's – and my – my kids right now, they've been watching uh, a lot of stuff off of Netflix, so they've been watching the, the Brave and the Bold Batman. Awesome. And which has been great because it introduces, not only, they, they've watched the Justice League stuff too. I mean, my kids are probably more geeky than they should be at their age. <laughs> but uh, they, they've watched uh, the, the Brave and the Bold Batman too, and it, it introduces all these great DC characters. And, Absolutely. And, they did a run with Batman teaming up with the Marvel family, and they couldn't get enough of that. They had question after question about those characters, and it did it in such a a great way to to introduce it to a new audience. I mean, I I appreciate those cartoons for what they are for trying to engage the younger the younger crowd. I mean, they're 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 into it. They love it. I think that it's a, a good thing that they did cartoons like that for them. I completely I agree. Yeah, yeah me too, man. Because um, I also think that um, as as frustrated as some get that DC and Marvel don't do more all-ages comics and really comics for little kids, and luckily mm-hmm. guys like my buddies Art and Franco are, are among those guys and uh, that you know get to do it occasionally and stuff, but I also think that much like us, the entry point might have been cartoons as much as it was comic books. I mean, you know, I'm about 10 years older than you, a little bit more than that, and it it was for me. I mean, you know, the Ralph Bashke uh, Spider-Man and the Marvel superhero cartoons were as, yeah. you know, important as the Adam West Batman show and those, you know, 15 and 20 cent comics that I was buying when I was a little kid. Right, exactly, and I think in that 
10-year span. I mean, they weren't really putting it. So there was a lot of reruns. So, I mean, what you were being introduced to, I was being introduced to. Well, Absolutely. Well, it was the same Spider-Man cartoon, Super Friends, was huge for me. That's, yep. that's how I was introduced to all of them as well. It was, it was TV. It was also comics. I mean, sure. but I, I, it's hard to kind of figure out which came first for me at this point. I mean, there was... Uh, there was only those two... Toys weren't as big as they, they kind of accelerated when I was maybe about eight or nine, like in the 80s. But, I mean, at that point, it was still just cartoons. It was a lot of cartoons and a lot of comics, and, and they were being... Uh, marketed towards me so it was fine i mean in my my age group my friends so we all used to hang out and and love all that stuff i don't know if that's happening now but uh it'd be nice it'd be nice to see if that was still if that was still the case excellent you're in toronto now did you grow up in canada yes i i was born i was actually born uh east of toronto in uh, or sorry uh west of toronto in in another province in winnipeg okay but uh came to toronto in the early eighties. That's cool. And, and then, I, then I was, I, I, I've been back and forth. I went to Trinidad for a bit and then I came back and then, yeah. So I've been, I've been around. Oh, cool. Is <laughs> I've, that, I've done some traveling. Yeah. Is your family from Trinidad? My parents. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I was going to ask about your grandfather, if he was Canadian or Trinidad, obviously uh, from Trinidad. That's awesome. He was from Trinidad, but he was the first one to, to set up in Winnipeg. He was in a, Oh, no kidding. In, uh, in <laughs> this place called Thunder Bay used to teach there and yeah he he was probably the first to give me my 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 uh stack of books to, to <laughs> spider-man books and arch books and a lot of a lot of good stuff i remember all of those things it was funny he used to keep them in his he the fireplace never worked but he used to keep the <laughs> piles of magazines and comics in this fireplace so i used to and it was huge so i used to like either curl up really close to it or i, I I, I may have actually gone in the fireplace. It's this nice little, uh, you know, fort that I can go and read yeah. these books in. And stuff. So it was kind of cool. But it, looking back on it, it's like, why are these? And like I said, they're early editions of, like, Amazing Spider-Man. And those are probably probably worth a little bit right now. But uh, nah, I knew, have no idea where they are at this point. But, um, yeah, yeah knew, those were really cool. If we knew then what we know now, I know, man. I, I I had my family stack of comics too, and it's like, oh, if we only hung on to those, absolutely, right. man. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, what what did your parents do? Uh, my dad's a lawyer. Cool. My my mom uh, owns a hair salon. Awesome. So, I mean, they they met in Winnipeg of the strangers. They were both from Trinidad, and they went to school in Winnipeg and met, and then. Yeah, all kind of backwards path to find each other, I guess. But um, in the end, uh, yeah, they're 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 still kind of doing what they're doing. My 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 mom is still working and still owns a salon. I mean, I'm I'm, and my uh, siblings are trying to convince her to retire at this point. I mean, she's been working for a long time. Understood. And uh, and yeah, my 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 dad is still proud. He's actually teaching in Trinidad now. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Teaching law in Trinidad? Yes. Fantastic. That's great. Very cool. Yeah. So, uh, art-wise, when did it when did it start for you in terms of uh either, you know, just, you know, drawing at a very young age? When did when did the art bug hit you? Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, it was really early. Uh, I I used to like trace a lot of my. I know everybody used to trace, right? I'm, I'm sure, sure a lot of people who started they they would trace over these books. But I used to try and make my my paper see through. Like I didn't have vellum or anything like uh-huh. that. So yeah. I used to take the paper and like maybe rub something kind of greasy on the paper. Oh, that's smart. Okay, yeah, and wear and then, it down that way, sure. Yeah, and then I'd put it on top of the book, and the book would be destroyed. But um, <laughs> I, used to, yeah. I used to try and, and yeah, you write um, apparently, you know, canola oil and <laughs> Ink. juice print don't. They don't <laughs> Maybe not. All right. Lesson no, learned. No, not, not a good combo. <laughs> I, not, not that it stopped me. I mean, I, I, I went through my fair share of books, but, yeah, it was a lot of tracing, and I was five i was six i was still in winnipeg at that point i remember that and so that was that was at least five or six it was it yeah yeah, no it's been it's it's just been a development since i mean i i a lot of it was self-taught i went to high school and in high school uh there's a high school in toronto uh that specializes in arts it's drama and dance and visual arts and I streamed into visual arts, and I did that for my high school career. But uh, from university, I went and I actually uh, actually studied and got a degree in journalism. Wow! In university, yeah, okay. I didn't think I was going to. I didn't think I was going to pursue art after high school. Oh, that's interesting because I almost wonder if you know. Yeah, you ever thought of putting the two together the way that we do see, you know, political cartoonists or you know illustrators or even obviously strip artists as well, for that matter. Yeah, I mean that that's where I ended up in university. I I, I was trying to I, I I was chasing stories and and trying to write and learning and. Then somehow I just ended up drawing again and then and doing editorial cartoons for the campus papers. Okay, wow, and, uh, fantastic. And, so what, yeah. <laughs> what, like, what kind of what kind of news stories did you cover? Oh man, it was, they were they were really just assignments. I mean, I got a I, I was able to intern a little bit at at Reuters, but um, fantastic big newswire service for people who don't know. Absolutely, Reuters. Yeah, yeah. That, that's where I sort of when 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 my mind was still in. Uh, journalist mode. I guess that's where I was aiming. I wanted to to end up somewhere like a news service, like Reuters. I mean, it it, it was a, a the ideal placement for me in the end. But uh, somehow I just sort of stumbled back into comics and and drawing and 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 realized that you know it was more of a passion for me than 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 journalism was. And I decided to kind of take a chance and see what happened. That's cool. Was this around the time of the black and white um, comic period? Because I know there was a lot of product in that uh, mid to late 80s, early 90s period where there were a lot of, you know, smaller publishers and a lot of people. In fact, we were talking uh, about the Immamans off the air and everything. And I know Stuart uh, started late 80s and stuff and just, you know, in that black and white uh, boom of, of that period. Yeah, no, this was a little... After, I mean, there were still some some indies coming out, but I think it was uh, we're looking at later late nineties now. It's oh, okay, rated, yeah. So, um, oh man, bad time to break in, man. How you doing? Hey, welcome. Yeah, here. We're, <laughs> great. We're ruined. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the, I think everything had had, uh, 
had popped at that point. The, the bubble had burst. Okay. Um, so yeah, what, yeah, what was it uh, like then um, when you were deciding to maybe do this? What was it like? Did it look like there were opportunities out there or the the arrogance of youth that, nah, you know, whatever, I'm here, I'll make it work? Well, I, I really, I think I, I so I started, I, I hadn't really attended any conventions. The Fan Expo at that point, and the the one the, the the big one that we have up in Toronto. Yes, I guess they're they're claiming Canada at this point. Um, they they were relatively small at that point, so I uh, maybe five years or so, and I hadn't gone. So I decided to go one year because for me, comics and drawing was always something I was going to keep in my back pocket. It was it, that was my arrogance. That was me saying, "Okay, well, if this journalism thing doesn't work out, you know, I'm just going to turn around and tell people I'm ready to draw, mm-hmm. and then they're going to give me a book, and everything will be fine, right?" So, <laughs> you know, that was it, it. Was it was that simple, right? It, sure. It, I was that good. Why why wouldn't that happen? So, <laughs> I I went to this convention, and that was. Probably when I I realized what this entire industry was about, it was the beginning of learning what the industry was about. I didn't learn everything at that point, but I I realized that I did want to learn when I went in there because I saw uh, uh, an entire row, an entire building filled with artists that were 100 times not well yes they were better and they, they were actually more dedicated it was the dedication that i think i i was taken aback by and, and humbled by i guess if i can say i was humbled by anything but um that was an eye-opening experience i was i was there and and i saw this and i was like wow i've got a lot to learn and a, a lot to do if this is anything i want to try and, and pursue and uh then the following year, I went back again, and I, I think I had some art on me. Okay. At that time, because you know, the first time I was like, I'm not even going to carry art. Why do I need to do that? Like, right, no portfolio, gonna, nothing. You're just going to walk in. Hey, no, I'm an artist. I'm going to tell people how good I am, and awesome. they're going to take me, and it's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, no, this right? is. Ex- how do we know when we're walking in for the first time? How do we know it's well, what it's going to be? I respect that yeah. absolutely, man. It, it, it's. My my dumb luck that I didn't actually run into somebody that I could have, you know, completely eighty six my entire <laughs> career from the get go by you know walking up to them and making a complete ass of myself. So yeah, the wrong, I didn't do that. The wrong first impression. I understand. So the second right. time, yeah. So second second year, you're you're kind of ready. You got some art samples. Yeah, but at, at the, I was I was petrified at that point. But I I ran into this booth and this studio this local studio from toronto was there they were called bright anvil and uh those cats are really cool and they started talking to me and they said hey you should come in and you know let's see more of your stuff and we can talk and do all that and and that was that was kind of the beginning for me right so i went into the studio and i ended up doing artist stuff for uh the artists that were there um, Logan Lubera was the director, and he was working at Dark Horse at the time. He did some stuff on the the Buffy books. Okay, that Dark Horse was publishing. He and the studio tried to not tried. He did. They they put out a book called 
Outlaw 7. It was their creator of book. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I did artist's stuff. I was doing layouts and backgrounds and, and things like that. I mean, we did that for a bit. And then I decided to kind of see if I could pursue some things just as a as a as a penciler. So at the time at the studio, uh, Adrian Alfona was there too. Uh, the guy who's drawing Miss Marvel right now. Okay, cool. Yep. Right. So Adrian and I and another guy from the studio, Marvin Law, we went to uh, uh, PhillyCon, uh, Wizard World. Philly, yeah, Wizard World Philly. Okay, that was I can't remember the year, early two thousands, and that was that was a big changer. We went and we went with portfolio in hand and polished samples as polished as we could get, you know, and just started trying to to, to talk to artists and and make some contacts. And we ran into David Mack. Fantastic. And David Mack was. And will continue to be like a, a, a changing force in my career because he was so gracious and, and nice enough to take our samples and hand deliver them to CB Sabolsky. Fantastic. Right? Like he just thought that that was the thing to do and he had no reason or. or, or what was in it for him, right? Sure. I mean, that was just that was just one of those things that I'll I'll never forget. And That's every time I see him, I think, yeah, every time I see him, I think I embarrass him a bit. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great guy. No, David's a, really David's is. a good, good guy. I'm not surprised to hear that. So that's yeah. that's fantastic. Very, very cool. So, so what did CB do for you? Hey, CB, man, like he, well, first he saw Adrian's stuff. And okay. I don't know if you're familiar, familiar with Adrian's work on Runaways and... Yes, and, of course, uh, and we were just, uh, Sanford Green and I were talking about Adrian. Uh, right. Yes, absolutely. Right, and so he got uh, kind of paired up with, with Brian K. Vaughn pretty early on before the Runaways Project and the rest is history for Adrian, right? And, absolutely. And so, Indeed. I mean, Adrian, yeah, and remains one of my favorite books at Marvel to this date. I mean, that, that run in that story was, was great. Very special. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I got some work on the the Marvel Age line. Okay, sure. So, like, reintroducing, so that story that I was telling you about the Spidey Strikes Back, when the Enforcers uh, take on Spidey, was, like, one issue away from the one that I could do. <laughs> that's the funny part. I was one issue away from doing that same issue that I used to read at my grandfather's house. Oh, that's but, crazy. Um, now, Marvel Age... Were they retelling of Marvel stories, yeah. basically? Yes. And was it, it was, with it, text and pictures, or was it uh, full comics? Yeah, full comics. Like they, it was, it was rescripted and 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 redrawn. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so, I, uh, I kind of remember because these are one the, that was one of those initiatives in terms of like a for young people, a younger a younger audience, and also yeah, like uh, these are the early days of Marvel being told with modern storytelling, obviously. Right, yeah. I mean, I, this is this is. I, I'm pretty sure it was CB and his office that were. Well, they were they were the ones that were that were. Uh, it was in their house. Okay, who and was who was uh, scripting that for you? Todd Dezago. Oh sure. Okay, very good. Yeah, yeah. It was, which was really cool. So he did the. We did the Doc Ock story. 
Excellent. When when Spidey when Peter is sick. Oh, and, and he's got to go fight Doc Ock, and he's got the cold and right. everything. One of my that's favorite one. Ralph Bakshi, or no, I don't know if that was Bakshi or pre Bakshi, but yeah, that's like one of the best Spider Man cartoons as well. That one was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the one I got to draw. That was that was my first one. That was cool. a big one. That's and, great, man. And yeah, so I mean, that that was the start. That was that's where everything kind of started rolling. So, but again, it was it was through the the good grace and the the uh, generosity of. A number of different people that 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 I will always be very very thankful and grateful towards. That's excellent. So, what years was this again? Too was this about ten years ago or a little longer? Uh, yeah, about ten years, I think, somewhere around there, give or take. Like two thousand four, two thousand five, something like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. That's cool. That's excellent. Yeah. Um. No, I'm, I'm, that's, well, that's great, man. And that's kind of consistent of, you know, I mean, like I said, David, David doesn't surprise me about that. And that's, that's CB's job. I mean, CB goes around the world looking for artists and everything and finding new talent and uh, bringing them over and saying, oh, we gotta, we gotta work with this guy. So that's. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how CB lives on planes like that. (laughs) He He works so hard. That man works so hard and he's, he's always up in the air. It's. Every time I see him, I'm like, "Are you taking some time off? Are you are you okay?" And he's, he says yes, and he's 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 a soldier. <laughs> he's he's better than I am because I don't think I could do what he does. Yeah, I, I on the one hand, I do envy him because the guy does travel around the world and really does yeah. you know go in every place. But I could appreciate the grind of having to travel around the world to be your job. So yeah, and it is, and you know, I haven't had him on word balloon yet. We've always talked about it in principle, and eventually we will do it. But it's always you know I'll see him at a convention and it's oh, I'm going to Guam in three days. Okay, CB, I'll see you. Take right. it easy. <laughs> I'm going to Italy. All right, man. Take care. Have fun. So does your, your long distance plan cover Guam? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I'm sure Skype would, but I don't. You know, I I know he can't count on wherever. You know, depending on where he is, where the what the bandwidth is like. I mean, God, I right. I was talking to Rob Burnett in Southern California, and, he, and we had a lousy Skype connection. So you never know, man. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, all right. So, um, how did uh, how how did you and uh, Peter David hook up uh, for? Was it X Factor, right? X Factor, yeah. Yep. Uh, Jimmy Madrax. Just, uh, yes. I mean, he had just come off of, well, yeah, the Madrox uh, miniseries had wrapped, and then they spun off into X-Factor, and Ryan Sook started it. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and then it was it was uh, Pablo, Pablo Raimondi. I followed him. Oh, okay. On, I, was, I was maybe the third or fourth uh, regular artist on X-Factor at the time. Okay. You were there a long time, though, weren't you? I was there for a few years. Yeah, I was about yeah. two years, two and a half years, yeah. Yeah, man, yeah. that's like, great. on and off. There were, there were some runs that I was on, and then, sure. like, you know, there were, there were, there were fill-ins and, and whatnot. I mean, I'm, I, am, I am not the fastest artist in the world, so no. it, it didn't, it didn't uh, my, my pace was not conducive to a, a book that was going to double ship every month. Hey, man, you're not alone. And, and I don't, what artist other than really Mark Bagley and Jack Kirby, if we could resurrect him? Honestly, right. I don't know who can do uh, 18 issues a year. I mean, I and, and really, I know the writers are struggling with it, too. So yeah. I understand yeah. I understand what Marvel's marketing thoughts are in doing it that way. 
But yeah, I mean, you you absolutely need two artists. In fact, uh, Bendis and I were talking about that with uh, what's happening with uh, he and Dave Marquez on uh, Iron Man coming up and everything. So, no, I get it. I totally get it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it for. I mean, X Factor wasn't. Even, I was on the. You remember that uh, that that Fantastic Four book that uh, got flipped to the Marvel Knights line. Was that the Roberto the, Aguirre uh, Scarza? Uh... That's the one. That's the one. Yeah, and, and McNiven was drawing it in the beginning. Steve McNiven was drawing it in the in the beginning, and and I did you take it I over? Did, I did about a year on that book before I jumped all over to X Factor. Wow! And this was the one yeah. that started with the arc that uh, they were poor. Like something happened yes. and they were poor. That's the one. Okay. All right. By I, the by the time I got on, they had they had their money again. Written that up. <laughs> they had their money. By the time I got on, they were in the back of the building, so it was cool. But, All right, that's cool. Exactly, that's good. So, yeah, how was that working? Yeah. Working on the Fantastic Four? That was fun, man. That's that's such a great, great, great team. Like a great book. I, 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 if I had the chance to draw it again, I would absolutely in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat, be back on it. I love those characters. I. I Love the dynamic. I love the visuals. It was it was a lot of fun. It and it's one of those things I was drawing so early on in my career. You know, you you look back and you're like, I go okay, and I wish I had a chance to do this again. You know, I understand. But, um, sure. Yeah, it, it's uh, but that's that's me as of yesterday. I mean, I'm saying that. So no, I get it, man. No, uh, that's that's yeah. me. That's me describing my sports talk radio career. If I knew right? then, yeah. if I knew then what I knew now, I'd be <laughs> I'd be on ESPN yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean, man. I, I get it. Yeah. But uh, but no, and I you know I love that team as well. And I, did you did you see the? I didn't see the movie. Did you see the movie? I, I, I did not see the movie. Yeah, no. well, exactly. No. You know, and I yeah. and it's I mean they've kind of telegraphed at least that the four are not going to be together post Secret Wars. Yeah. And um, I know that uh, the thing's going to be off in space with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and I know mm-hmm. Johnny's going to be with the Inhumans. We're not sure what's happening with Reed and Sue. I guess that'll be part of. Hickman's uh, wrap up to Secret Wars. We'll find out where they wind up. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's too bad. And um, God, there have been so many great runs of the Fantastic Four, and I and I uh, I loved Hickman's run. I loved uh, I loved Fraction's run. And mm-hmm. outside of uh, Scars's you know initial idea of, and I don't even know if that was his idea or if that was a Bill Jemis idea to do. Okay, they're broke, and because I was I was kind of in that Mark Wade camp of like what. Reed, yeah. Reed, the smartest man in the world is broke. That doesn't. No, I don't think that makes sense. We got to suspend a little bit of yeah what we know right and, and the logic behind it to to embrace those stories. I I, I I totally understand. I I also understand what they were trying to do and why they were doing it. Um, you know, you you want to you want to make sure that the the property stays invigorated and and inject some new stories. And Absolutely. New, no, I, you know, angles in it. All that makes sense to me. You every know? But, every, uh, every story that all of us fans, either individually or collectively, will go, "Oh, that story didn't work," and or you know, much harsher. Obviously, I mean, I never, I never ask anyone. I try not to on Word Balloon in terms of, "Well, that story really sucked. What happened?" It's like, well, I mean, because the answer obviously, obviously is, I was trying to tell a different story and come at it from an, ag- an angle that maybe people didn't think of of these characters. It either succeeds or fails, and it's totally fair for the market to decide. And if things don't work, then you move on to the next story. It's 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 yep. that simple. And they these characters are so are strong enough that you know I mean Superman has survived Electric Blue Superman, 
You know, <laughs> you know. I mean, there've been other like you know other things. It's like, hey, remember when Batman had a horn? No. Well, of course not, because it sucked, and now we don't th- we don't worry about that anymore. So yeah, I mean, so these things happen, and hell, uh, Roberto's doing great uh, in the Archie world right now. Yes, he is. I'm very happy for him. So, did you like working with him? Yeah, absolutely. No, he had some he had some great stories. I'm sure he could have kept going, and he had a he had such a great take on Sue as well. I mean, the book, and especially the issues I did were very. She was almost the lead. That's great. I always love Which when one? you're right. And the, and those are the interesting moments when Sue really does stand up and it's like you forget. And it's like, ah, you know, don't mess with the mother. And, uh, you know, that's that family dy- dynamic and stuff. And the character in the right hands, it's like, nah, Sue's fine. She can take care of herself just fine. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how he played it, like with, with everything, especially because I, I read the earlier ones uh, before they completely got their money back or whatever. Happened, okay. But, um, okay. Uh, I read some of the earlier issues, and that's how he—that's how he placed Sue within the family. That she was the strong leader. She was the strong leader. She was the mother. You know, like Reed is the the, the leader of the team, and he's smart and he's brilliant. But all, everything falls apart if Sue isn't on her game. You know, and she and he's he he did a lot of reflection on the the burden of that for her. I think. Which was which was really cool. I, I liked it. I I'm gonna have to go back and reread it. Uh, no, it was, I, great, it was a great study on the team. I think you know, okay. and, and and on and on how they uh, not only get along as individuals, but as as this family, right? And, and sure. it's probably one of the one of the stronger family stories that they had, even though it was kind of off the path with them having to, you know, rent an apartment somewhere in Brooklyn instead of being in the back of the building, you know. It, it was all still pretty cool. I, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah, fair you know, enough. It, uh, and this is me again, and, and I sure. had the same reaction when everybody said, how did, how did they grow broke? I don't understand. Uh, no accountant can take this money away from them. Come on. I mean, well, you just figure Reed's got, like, another invention he can go in the closet and whip out and be like, all right, let's sell that to the government. All right, cash. Thank you. Right. Yeah, yeah. It seems it, it, it's a hard uh, concept to, to take on, especially with everything that's been established with, that, with, uh, with those characters. But uh, it was fun. It was fun. And I, I enjoyed I enjoyed getting to getting the opportunity to draw some of those characters too, so it was really cool. That's awesome, man. Very, very cool. So, how was it working yeah. with Peter on X Factor? Uh, Peter is oh, man. How do I put this? He makes it so easy. Oh, that's great. Okay. Honestly, <laughs> like to <laughs> it was a slow wind up, so I'm like, oh, <laughs> landmine. <laughs> Let me tell you about Peter. <laughs> no, um, no, he. So his scripts were always like flawless. Just everything was was not not a typo. There there was no pages out of order. Everything was just tight, and he had them banked for like four issues. Oh, that's great! I don't great. even know how I don't even know how far ahead Peter was in the 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 actual prime of our run, but. Uh, he always had everything set up, and the way he would write the scripts, it's as though he would give you enough direction so you knew exactly what he wanted, but at the same time, he was able to write it where 
you had enough freedom to do what you wanted to creatively. So sure. it was, it spoiled me. Honestly, it was, it was just such a, uh, great experience to, to have the chance to handle these scripts. I mean, he's, the, he just makes it look easy. I'm sure he's forgotten more. This is the saying, you know, he's forgotten more than I than I will ever know at this point about storytelling and the craft at this point. But um, it was great. He he had a lot of fun with it. He really had a, a handle on those characters too, and he was always at his. I, I felt that everything was really clicking for us when it was sort of outside of the X-Men uh, narrative, like the major narrative that was going through the, the, the larger X-Men titles. Yes. X-Factor X was a fringe book, right? It was right. always on its own, and it was doing its own thing. We had a future story and bouncing back and forth and and doing some crazy stuff. And there yes, were, you did there very crazy stuff. Yes, go on. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was, I felt that those things were cool. Now, the, the, the crossovers were a lot of fun, too, and... I think Peter took full advantage of the the opportunities he had to make some major changes, like he would shake things up. He was like, okay, well, if I get this crossover, I guess I'll, you know, slap this uh, tattoo on Madrox's face now that's permanent. You know, it was it was it was things like that. Like he put the M tattoo that Bishop had from yes. the future, right? He <laughs> that on Madrox, like in the middle of a of a run. It was like, wow, that's that's pretty drastic. But okay, let's do it, right? And, it was it was a lot of fun. That was that was uh, there was a lot that happened for me, education wise, just just as a as a learning experience. It was that's you. So you really like storytelling. You think you you upped your game working with Peter? Well, I, I was just trying to keep up. I understood. I, okay. I was I was just trying to make sure that I was delivering what what he needed. Um, and. Yeah, like I said, it was just it was it was great to to uh, experience that run like that that point of his run with him and when he was trying to to, to mold these characters and make them into something uh, independent of the the actual X line, but at the same time they would come back and they would interact with them. We did a, a story when X Factor shows up on. Man, what's that island called again? This was this was during when when uh, Matt was writing X Men, and they moved over to San Francisco. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, the, the island, uh, Utopia, or Utopia? That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Right? See, so non-reader, and I'm figuring it out. Okay, yeah, there we go. You know, excited. <laughs> you've got some. You've got some X Men books, and you're not. You're not. Uh, yeah, somewhere buried not in there. To it. <laughs> somewhere buried in there, man. I don't know. So yeah, they they uh. <laughs> X Factor showed up on the island, and and it was great just showing them interact. Cyclops and Jamie never got along, and uh, we saw Longshot and Dazzler hook up again. Like, Funny, you no, know, it was it was all it was all weird stuff that was happening, but it was pretty cool. It was all it was all a lot of fun to show them come into the X Men and as the characters that they are, and and interact with this 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 larger story that's happening through eight or nine different books and then they just pull themselves out again you know like okay well that was fun we're going to go back to investigating these these street level crimes that are happening somewhere in new york but when the crossovers uh, happen 
Is there ever interaction between the artists in a similar way that there would be from the from the writer's standpoint? I don't know if deadlines make that impossible or with the ease of the Internet these days that it is easier and that you guys could kind of uh, talk over, you know, maybe a scene that you're both going to have to handle in different books, but, you know, the different perspectives and all. Yeah, and that was the thing, too. Our, our, the two crossovers that I had to uh, work on, again, as, as much as they were part of the crossover, they, they, were, their, they were their own thing. Sure. They never. They never showed. This. I didn't have the. There was the a larger story. Like when Jamie got the tattoo, he was actually with the X Men at the time. But the the one I did, I think I did a the one with Bastion, uh, the one that was recent, and Nightcrawler died that time. Okay. The X Factor was doing their own thing. They didn't really interact with the, with with uh, with the other X-Men or the other larger stories. So I was able to draw it and was this that last, was this that last X factor book, uh, within the last year or two? No, this was the one before it. Okay. This was okay. The volume before it, I believe, cause I, I know it got relaunched. I, I didn't really follow that one. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, well, I, but, and I know that you weren't, yeah, I knew you weren't working on that one either because yeah. yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's the last time I talked to Peter about mm-hmm. X factor. Cause it was like, uh, I'm like, well, it's a new launching point, so I, you know, don't have any continuity to worry about. So I'll let Peter preview it. Sure, and, you know, I won't feel like as much of a blind man <laughs> having or you know having this conversation. But all right, you know, so they're the X Men, right? <laughs> they're mutants, right? <laughs> so. he's, and and yeah, he, he's he's got a lot of uh, history with I think the characters he introduced in that line as well. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Yeah. You know, I love yeah. Peter's I love Peter's Star Trek stuff. I'm I'm such a fan of his. I've I've read, and I, I mean, certainly his incredible Hulk run. I was a big fan of that as well, right. and and yeah. absolutely respect everything that he's done uh, at Marvel and DC for that matter, Young Justice and and the like. But uh, for me, my favorite Peter David has always been the Star Trek novels that he wrote. And yeah. when, when I see him at Comic Cons, I am much more really. It's eighty twenty about Star Trek than it is. Uh, about uh, comic books, and uh, I, th- I, you know, sometimes I don't think he realizes that uh, you know I'm that I do a comic book podcast right away because most of the time I'm talking to him about Star Trek, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I love it. And also everything he does, much like his Marvel stuff, uh, other licensed characters and stuff, he just throws himself into it, immerses himself in it, and whether it's Babylon Five or Buffy and his Spike books that he did. Uh, for IDW and uh, things like that. Also his own creator own stuff as well. I mean, the guys, he's just an amazing writer and I've got nothing but respect for him, but yeah, I I just love when he gets on a license thing and it does, he just gets the voice of the property that he's working on and it's very comfortable and you know, you're in good hands and are going to get an interesting story that absolutely fits that universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So no, I I agree. I agree. He's yeah. uh, he's a treasure, that Peter David. <laughs> so, bitch planet. How did this happen? Yes. You and Kel. Uh, Kelly Sue and I met at uh, in Toronto at one of the fan expos. This was about three years ago. Okay. Four years ago, I don't know, and we tried to, after we, we met and we, we were talking and kind of exchanged contacts and all that, which was really cool, um, we tried to t- 
talk uh, online and, and coordinate maybe something work for hire uh, at Marvel because we were both kind of at Marvel at the time. She was just about to start Captain Marvel, I think. And I think the... I don't know this for sure, but she may have tried to put my name forward for Captain Marvel as well. Okay. But I just don't... Like, some of our stuff didn't sync up at the time. I think I was about to go on something, or she was... They had already slated an artist for that. I'm not sure what the circumstances were, and I don't even know if that's the truth or not. It's just I'm trying to put A and B together and realizing that when she was saying she was about to start the book and then the book was Captain Marvel, I'm thinking that that's what it was. But uh, the work for hire thing just didn't sort of pan out for us as far as getting together for for reasons unknown and and for scheduling reasons as well. But uh, uh, I sort of just said, well, let's sort of not wait for the work fryer. Like, I, I, I really dig what you do, and, and I dig your stuff, and I think that if we want to work together, maybe we can start mulling over some creator-owned stuff. I don't know, like, whenever she was ready, and she said, okay. She seemed pretty cool with that. Cool. And uh, she said, okay, so we can start some things from scratch if you want. Like, she had no problem with that, but she said, if you're interested, I have five sort of working concepts that I'm thinking about moving forward with, too. So if you want to take a read, like, let me know, and we can totally launch one of these, right? So she had five, and but they were all, man, they, they all have to come out at some point, right? It's one of those things when you see all of these, these ideas that she had, and I'm like, that one's amazing, and that one's amazing, too, and... <laughs> oh, shit, why aren't we doing this one? And it's like, but then, you know. <laughs> cool. And there was Bitch Planet just sitting there, like her her two sentences for her concept for this book. And Do you remember what they I were? Said, what, the other concept? No, the, the, the sentences for Bitch Planet are two sentences. Oh, no, I don't remember the two sentences. I think I just, I, I remember seeing Bitch Planet. Chicks in prison. I remember seeing Bitch Planet. I remember seeing 70s exploitation and women in prison. I there remember seeing those words. And awesome. And that just struck a chord with me because, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's something for me. Hey, man, I understand. So I've, I, I've watched those Linda Blair and uh, Sybil Danning movies and all that stuff. Yes, indeedy. <laughs> Penit- I mean, was- hey, penitentiary even? Le- Leon Isaac uh, Kennedy? And, uh, and Jane Kennedy, come on, come on! Yep, yep, I'm a yep, fan. Yep. No, I, I, I can't especially, blame you for that. Spe- especially being a boxing fan and stuff, and the guy looked like Sugar Ray Leonard for God's sake. <laughs> Let's be honest. Come on, man. Right. So no, I love that stuff. No, that's great. And then I was the same way, man. When when she told me to, I'm like, oh, this sounds great. I'm like, I'm yeah. for it. And then obviously the concept was one thing. And then when I when we see your guys work together, it's like. Well, this even transcends what I was expecting because it was like, oh, my God, this is not only 70s exploitation prison movies, but Rollerball is in there and uh, a very interesting uh, Stepford Wives science fiction kind of vibe to it taken to a, 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 you know, universe size level, you know. Yes. My God. Yeah. So go. Yeah. Tell me as you as you learn this stuff or as the two of you, you know what? Yeah. Like how much of it was there once you said yes? And how much of it was, you know, you guys discussing and like, oh, this is what we want to do. Well, we started I think we she had the concept and she knew it was 
women who are found criminally non-compliant are sent off-world to a prison planet, right? So, right. I mean, that was the meat of it. I mean, that's, that's about as much as we had. We didn't know the characters. We didn't know... We, we, we were still sort of mulling things over, but we tried to get our mandate out. We tried to just work on, okay, we're going to make sure that uh, the majority of the cast are uh, people and, and women of color. Right. We said that that was going to be something that we had to get off. the, And we, we went back and forth about that because we're like, okay, so we want to make the lead black, but it's a book about women in prison so what are we saying there with making a black lead a black lead in prison right so we we went back and forth on that but in the end i think that we we made the right choice uh well i guess i guess time will tell and history will will tell us whether or not we made the right choice did you feel um, it would be too stereotypical to have a woman a black woman in that position or that was concerned yeah yeah one of our concerns was was uh, the message that that would send out. Okay. Uh huh. Sure. No. And it's a hey. It's a very very Victorian era in some ways, mm-hmm. and I really do feel for creative people because I think everyone is walking a tightrope right now. I really yep. do. And I but I yep. but I am I'm pleased that the audience reaction, obviously, uh, so far five issues into Bitch Planet has been as positive as it is, and that your guys' intent, your positive intent, is coming through beyond any concerns of stereotypes and everything. Mm-hmm. I, I think that we, we well, first of all, the, 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 the readers and the fan base out there, they're, 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 they're unbelievable. They're, they've been so incredibly supportive of the book, even before there was a book out. I mean, there was just a, a buzz and there was an excitement that I wasn't prepared for. I didn't. Kelly Sue and I were saying, okay, so we. Not that we were lowering our expectations, but our expectations were, okay, so the book is called Bitch Planet and it's going to be mature rated. Right. And it's, um, you know, so. And it's, it's not coming out from the big two. So we'll do this steady for a little while we'll see what the reaction is and you know after a few issues we'll 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 reassess and see where we're at right we were we we weren't i think prepared for how fast and this was going to pick up momentum and and where it was going to go it's it's just become uh larger than i think either of us had expected uh, maybe she had expected it because she's much smarter than I am. But I, I don't know if if I was prepared for how this was going to uh, be received by everybody. And I'm I'm still I, I think a little shocked by by the reaction. And I'm I'm happy. <laughs> I, sure. I, I don't know. I, I don't have any other words. I'm just I'm happy the way that it turned out. It's it's been. It's been really great. It's been the, the 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 readers and the fans and people, the tattoos. Have you seen the tattoos? I, of course, I've seen the tattoos. Absolutely, man. And the le- the other day, uh, as we were recording, it was just a day or two ago. I saw the leggings that you've helped design. Right. Am I right? Did yeah. you? Nice. Did you ever, it, it, did you ever it, think it, you were going to be designing women's leggings, man? Not, not, not. <laughs> 
I couldn't even tell you when that, that thought had ever crossed my mind. I've, I'm not the, the person that, that knows anything about leggings, <laughs> let, let alone a floral print. So um, the fact that this that there are bitch planet leggings <laughs> that will be available for pickup at Rose City Comic Con. I mean, order yours now. It's 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 pretty crazy. I and everybody's ready for them. You know, like yes. people are ready to to uh, wear this symbol and not just a symbol, but I think for everybody it 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 it. it represents something different because it, it's more it's more about the message it's the, the, the message is what's brought the symbol about right it's not the symbol it, it's I not understand. the other way around yeah I non-compliant what does non-compliant yes. mean to yeah. not only your world that you guys have created but also mm-hmm. on a bigger level what the statement means and what it can mean in today's society, and no man, this is—I'm sure you've seen that Twilight Zone, the obsolete man, and yeah. it's you know just the way that Fritz Weaver would say obsolete to uh, Burgess oh, Meredith and stuff, and that's right. you know non-compliant has that kind of ring to it, and it came through without even hearing it, just the words, and and immediately, um, you know, I was that yeah, like so. Were you guys thinking along those lines? Because if I'm right, that was at the back of the tattoos were um, to get the tattoos was in the back of the first issue. Am I right? Or oh, the, yeah, the, they, they were. Um, or was it pre? Was it before the book? Tattoos. Yeah, we had some. We had some. I think ready for that point. We were already pitching them. I think from New York Comic Con last October, we had some. Yeah, so they were they were available for for order. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's right. No, it's genius, man. Honestly, it's and again, not to over blow this thing, but as you say, I mean the the audience response has been amazing. No, this is a sea change book. And and that's wonderful that the two of you have found yourself creatively together to create such a thing. That's mm-hmm. that's wonderful. And it's Again, the talent speaks for itself from both of you. And I think, and again, not to mitigate uh, Chris Peters, and also I don't have it in front of me, but the woman that is designing the back matter. Oh, Lauren McCubbin. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the the, 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 the back pages are a highlight for me to see when they come out, man. I've, I've loved them since the first issue. And she did one for the fifth issue. And when she came up with the concept, I was almost angry because I was like, this should be the cover. I don't know why we're not putting this on the front. Oh, interesting. On the back. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. It's really great. I, I, I love what she's doing with, with the, it's, it's all, it all comes together and there's nice, cool little messages for, for the people who are willing to, you know, uh, devote a little bit more time to, to reading the back matter that's there. It, 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 there's, there's so much more than just the, the main story going on right now. So, I'm I'm going along for the ride as much as everybody else is at this point too with, with a lot of that stuff. It's really cool. No, and I can appreciate that. And also, and I, we don't want to obviously tip because we're we're going to release this around the time that five does come out. I know the trade mm-hmm. comes out in October. Um, yes. Are you going to be in New York for uh, Comic Con? There, I will be in New. Yes. I'm oh, awesome. Be in New York. Oh, excellent. I will definitely see you this year. The last year I couldn't go because I had surgery in the fall. And everything's fine now, but uh, you yes, know, it's yes, just. Yes, I remember that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so you know, and oh man, I believe me, there were a million people, including yourself, that I was, and especially because, like I said, I knew Pitch Planet was coming, because um, I had already talked to Kel about it and everything, and 
Uh, no, so it'll be great to see you guys. And, and God, I hope I can get to, if, uh, if there's room to be a fly on the wall for whatever panel or whatever programming you guys might have, uh, for, uh, for the book, because, uh, no, it's, it's wonderful. It really is, man. I mean, I, I'm sure you saw the response that, that Kel got for, uh, for Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps and, and all that have, you know, followed in, in that respect, but bitch planet really does speak to an even bigger issue. And man, you know, these characters are just amazing. And, and certainly like, you know, uh, Penny roll, my God, what a, what a great, what a great character and, and Mako and, and all of them, you know, but Jesus Christ, I, you know, this is just such a, it's great. It's just wonderful that, uh, people of all body types, and, and and sizes and colors and backgrounds can be such interesting characters and be given this kind of platform to explore. And then as we we even just talk about the design of the back matter, the the essays that that you know are being curated for for Bitch Planet for each issue, it's it's great, man. Lazarus is like that with science with Rucka and Mike Lark and yes. you know Zdarsky and uh, Fraction what they're doing with, with sex criminals and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean it's. I really think image and, and you, you, what you all are able to do individually as creators and say, no, this needs to be more than just 20 pages of comic. We need it to really be a magazine. And it really needs to say something beyond what we're giving people, you know, in the, in the uh, comic panels and stuff. It's smart. And I think it only it, it just bre- breeds a larger group. You know, uh, certainly Brubaker's doing it in his crime books and his you know essays on great noir and great movies and novels and stuff. No, it's I think it's excellent. I think it's educating people at the same time as entertaining them and, and in, in a really uh, responsible and important way. Yes, I believe so. I mean, I, just n- not even as a I, I have the the, the 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 privilege to work on one of these books that's 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 providing such a a large experience for people when they put their money down and 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 bring one of these issues home so that's one thing but it's as somebody as a reader as part of the audience is enjoying lazarus and 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 all of these other books that are coming out from from image and that they're creatively just firing on so many cylinders it's 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 and 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 providing so much, like you said, entertainment and educating at the same time. Yeah, I'm I'm reiterating what you're saying, but I I completely agree. It's it's uh, it's a really really great time, I think, because there's so much out there on the stands right now, and I hope that that uh, this just continues. I hope that 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 for everybody, that everybody who's who's creatively looking for an outlet and not only that but but readers who are looking for something out there be it superheroes be it be it noir crime be it sci-fi i mean i think there's something really really solid out there for everybody right now which is great and i and i think too um I'm at the older end of the demographic, but I really think you're at the heart of it. And I think people slightly younger than you, maybe five years or so, we grew up reading comics from being children to wanting to continue reading comics as teenagers and college kids and 20-somethings. And, and now the, the medium has finally been allowed to grow up in the right way that movies and books and any other storytelling medium has without judgment. And there's still occasional 
naysayers that do get mad and are like, well, you know, comics should be for kids and only for kids. And it's like, no, comic books no. are no different than any other storytelling medium. By all means, there should be comic books for kids. And that's wonderful that there are. And there are excellent ones. But adults deserve an interesting read as well and um, enjoy great art. And when those two things come together and you get great storytelling, it's it's magic. It really is. I'm saying this as a fan, man, and I'm I'm you know praising you. So yeah, you know, I mean, it's no lie. I, it's it's really great, and it's wonderful that there is enough of an audience that it's uh, financially feasible for you guys to do more than just five issues and out. And there have been a lot of great books in you know decades past that have come and gone, and it's you know been bigger publishers. That need a bigger number to survive. And that's the great. I mean, again, uh, Sanford and I were talking about this, that there are um, on the last episode uh, that there are like a 100 image could have, you know, if they wanted to, they could have 100 titles, but it's 100 separate states or nations or companies, mm-hmm. little companies. You and Kel are a little company. Uh, mm-hmm. Kellen, Kellen um, and, and Emma Rios are a smaller, you know, are a different company when it comes to uh, to Pretty Deadly and Pretty stuff Deadly. like that. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's great. I mean, that so it's really what you guys are able to do, how long you, you know, feel the story needs to go. And the, the fact that right now, certainly four issues in about to see five, you've got a rabid fan audience and stuff. So that's that's yeah. it's it's excellent, man, and the timing is right for this kind of book and these kinds of books in general. Yeah, you know, so so grateful for the the, the readership that we were able to 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 grab and the the support and the the support from Image, like from the get go. I don't know if you've ever heard Kelly Sue uh, mention how she got this book greenlit from. Uh, from Eric, Eric? Susan, but yeah, tell yeah, me. but it, I, I'm it, sure it, we did, but no, repeat it. It's all right. I don't think it took long. I mean, I think she he just asked her what the next project was after the success of Pretty Deadly, and she was a little uh, appre- just I don't want to say apprehensive, maybe just a little shy to kind of mention that there was this book, and we kind of have this working title called Bitch Planet, but we can change it if you don't like it, type of thing, right? But he just kind of said, I. I, I would like to publish a book called Bitch and, <laughs> and that was it. I mean, we didn't have to do anything else but mention the concept and the name, and he was in, and his support has been really great. It's been everybody at Image, the whole team there, everybody on production and everything has, has been really, really behind us, like trying to get this, this going. And this is my first... Uh, Image book. Venture into in, in, into image, yeah, exactly. I mean, I did. I I worked with uh, with Jay Farber on Noble Causes back in the day. Oh, that's I forgot about that. Go on, please. I I did a couple. I, I did like a short story with him and stuff, right? Like Jay and I spoke that same that same uh, Philly convention that I met CB. I met Jay too. Okay. Right. So we we talked back and forth, and we actually did try and pitch once upon a time too. But I I was I started working full time. And I didn't have this team, I think, to, to put a solid pitch together with him. So we, we've kind of put that on the back burner. But I'm, I'm a huge fan of everything he's done. And I, oh, I, yeah. I kind of follow his, I follow his TV writing and stuff, too. Sure. Like, oh, he's writing, he's writing that episode of Ringer. I have to watch that now, right? So <laughs> I know. It's the same way. <laughs> Ringer. I know. 
But you're right. Well, and you know, he's, man, I'm really glad you said that because it reminds me that the next time Jay and I have to talk, because that image comics was very different than today's image comics. And the market was very, the market was very different too, because I mean, yeah, I, this is when I, this is like I said, 10 years ago, this is when I started War Balloon. So I was talking to a lot of these guys because they were interesting, different comics. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, God, Jay really tried hard with Noble Causes a couple times and, you know, over 30 issues or so, I think ultimately when all said and done and it was a great concept it really was it really was superhero soap opera yeah soap opera drama it was it was pretty intense and sure man absolutely no and you know and that's the thing and you know claymore with hawaiian dick and um you know i'm trying to think of some of these like when i came like image 2.0 is almost how we all Mm -hmm. described it and and kirkman obviously was part of that too with walking dead and really Mm -hmm. and invincible even more so i mean that's the thing you know now walking dead of course but it's like let's all be honest it was invincible and walking dead in that order for a long time and now you know certainly walking dead and and the uh the entire brand that uh that robert has you know grown from it remender with fear agent and all that stuff you know so no, it was a tougher it was a tougher row. So yeah, I mean it is it is different now. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I think that uh, when that 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 landscape shift sort of happened when Brubaker and, and a lot of those guys who yep. were working uh, worked for hire at, at, at Marvel or, or wherever it is they were, and they shifted over and they came over was like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. Yep, things have just sort of blown up from there right and I, I i i love everything that they're putting out I, man i can't even i don't even know where to start with with a lot of the image titles that i'm collecting right now between wicked and divine and copperhead and and, yes. and lazarus and man just so many solid books black magic right black magic's going to come out soon from yeah, uh, yeah, from rucka yeah. and uh, and uh, nicola scott and uh, looking forward to that. And, and no, I, yeah. I completely agree. And of course, the whole slate of, uh, you know, every image expo, there's a new, sl- new slate of books to watch out for and everything. No, yeah. it's, a, it's an exciting time. Rafe got uh, Ray Fox right now doing doing amazing jobs. I'm going to see him in a week at uh, at uh, Tony Moore's uh, Cincinnati show. And I can't wait to talk oh, yeah. to him about his book and everything. Um, no, it's, it's, it's a very cool time. Now I wanted to get back to, um, working for the big two, because as you said, um, with the double shipping and stuff, did they initially ask and not with any malice, but I'm just curious, did they initially see if artists could do more than 12 issues a month? I'm, 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 or a year. I'm just wondering. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, it was, it was a while ago. I can't even remember how it all went down. Um, I just remember I was running behind. Okay. At a certain point. Uh, not a, not not as an excuse or anything, but I mean, I think after so there was the issue of X Factor where uh, uh, Teresa Siren uh, she had Jamie's baby. Yes, no, I know. Yeah, but, when we're talking about the, some of the crazy stories, yeah, absolutely, the Madrax yeah. baby. Go on. But the baby was one of his dupes, and <laughs> yes. he reabsorbed it. Yes. Oh my lord! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And funny enough, my 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 wife was pregnant. Oh my god! I was writing this, so I mean, 
the delivery room was actually <laughs> referenced because I had I was in a room at the time that all of this was going down. So wow. Yeah, that was that was all pretty creepy. Man, I bet you had some lousy. I bet you had some crazy dreams during that period of time. Oh my god, it was, it was something else. Oh, it really was. but um, <laughs> that was an intense issue for sure. But uh, <laughs> that's nuts. Well, I was just wondering, like, if no, go ahead, and then I'll ask my question. But yeah, so I mean, that issue just dropped, and then I started on the one after that. But okay. between there, I mean, the newborn had come and. Me a call. I mean, I I didn't really inform my editors or anybody at Marvel that I was about to have a kid, and nor did I know what that was going to mean to my I hear time. You. I understand absolutely my sleep patterns or anything like yes. that. Yes, <laughs> I had no idea. So I I, but this is me on X Factor right now, and this is my second issue as the full time artist. So wow. I didn't necessarily want to say well i can't do it now so sure. i just i just shut up wow what can you Which, do yeah well looking back i i probably should have opened my full mouth but uh i i didn't know any better at the time so uh i didn't really say anything and so i was running behind on that and then i think by the time the third or fourth issue came around that i had to do we started splitting it and it was around that time, too, that the book started double shipping. So I, I don't know if it was maybe because they figured they had two artists on the book, they would double ship. But at the same time, double shipping with two artists still means that an artist is drawing a full book a month, sure. more or less, right, give or take. So, I mean, I'm not sure exactly how it went down. There was There was no real conversation with me about the scheduling. I mean, nor did I expect there to be at the time. I, mean, I understand. I, I think that if I couldn't do it, they would find someone else, which you know they they end up doing anyway. I mean that's just the nature of it, and I don't sure. I don't I don't hold any ill will or feelings towards that. I mean it's uh, that's a business. I mean it's sure. it's a it's a it's a really hard publishing schedule that they have to maintain to absolutely keep numbers up. So yeah, no, I get it. I I just don't think I was really privy to any major conversation about the scheduling, but it it, it ended up double shipping, and I. My head was spinning when that happened. I mean, I didn't know what that meant for me. It's like, do they expect me to draw this many books in this time? I'm not sure. Like, every month it was kind of waiting for the solicits to come out to see if my name was on it or to see whose name was next to mine, right, just to see, like, okay, am I getting help this month or do I handle this myself? I'm not sure. Oh, okay, it's just me. Okay, let's see what happens. So it was a lot of... It was a lot of that. It was a lot of just not knowing at that point uh, what my product, what what the, the expectations of my production was supposed to be. I understand. Well, so yeah. so currently and moving forward, is mm-hmm. Bitch Planet going to be your primary book, or are you going to? Because I know that you guys will likely do that image rhythm of five issues. The five issues who are are out. You're going to do the trade next month. And then I don't know if you're, the plan is to come back in, uh, you know, December or is it in the January or whatever, right? you know. I think we're still trying to work out when issue six is going to come out, which okay. I'm not drawing, actually. Taki Soma is drawing it. Oh, great. And I did know, too, to help your schedule that you've obviously had yeah, after three issues, right? Didn't you have uh, somebody come in and was it four or three that uh, somebody else uh, helped? Three. You? Robert, Robert Wilson 
right. drew the third issue. He drew the Penny issue, which was which was a relief for me because we had all fallen in love with Penny before the first issue dropped. <laughs> so it was one of those things. It's like, okay, I, I was nervous. I was like, who are we going to get to draw this? Like, who am I going to hand over this, this sure. character to? And couldn't have made a better choice. Like in in my wildest dreams, Robert did such an amazing job on that book. So we were all thrilled every time one of his pages came in. It was great. So he did a really solid issue. I think it's one of the strongest issues we've done for the volume. Agreed. At this point, and uh, and yeah, so we're going to have artists come in alternating on the the solo issues on the the flashback issues yes. i guess yeah the yeah the spotlight issues that are going to look at a character right so hopefully i mean the plan is to uh kind of sprinkle these artists in between the major uh storyline and that will kind of help keep the book out a little bit more regularly i think sure be moving to every other month now just to maintain a little bit more consistency. Okay. Because this the, the the first one didn't it did not go so smoothly <laughs> as far as as far as scheduling goes. It didn't it didn't go so well. Uh, it could have been, and I I accept as much responsibility as I can for that. But okay, Kelly Sue Kelly Sue and I end up battling as to who's you know not doing enough and <laughs> yeah it gets it gets kind of silly and but. Uh, I would. I, I, I have the opportunity now to say that Kelly Sue is the hardest working creative entity in this industry right now. She works so hard on everything that she does, including this book. And I, I know what she's putting into it. I know. I know the demands of her, and I couldn't appreciate her more. I, I, I couldn't tell you. Ooh. I couldn't. I couldn't do justice with words of what 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 she is doing for for not only this book, but I think for for everybody working right now. I hear you, man. In her in her circle and beyond, I, I think agree. she's. I think she's great. No, she's and, a, she's an excellent advocate for comics. She's an excellent advocate yeah. for women in comics and just people in comics in general, and also how to make a good book and how to be mm-hmm. uh, how to represent comics out to the outside world. I, I yeah no I agree and and also doing all this raising two children that are you know under under ten I think Henry's still under ten mm-hmm. I know I know Tallulah yeah. is and uh, no man I, I, Jesus when I when I first met Kel she was pregnant with Henry I believe right I, I right. sometimes get that confused but I'm I'm reasonably certain that was the case and um, no and I, I mean and I, I you know met little Tallulah when she was just a two year old kid and. Uh, I don't know how they do it. I really don't because, as I mean, as you say too, when your own family, when when you started having kids and everything, I mean, good God, it's just the responsibilities and the the amount of time that it takes to to parent along with having a normal nine to five job, let alone this kind of creator job where you know there's there's its uh, pluses and minuses in terms of you know advantage and disadvantage of of, of you know time. But you've got yeah. to manage your time, and she is. She's she is a time master. She is absolutely a time master, and I don't know how she does it and manage. Because even when I interview, you know, podcast interview her and stuff, I'm always like, "Are you sure you got time?" She's like, "Oh yeah," and I'm yeah. like, "All right." 
And she's like, it's got to be this time to this time. I'm like, you got it, bud. I'm like, whatever, yeah. whatever you need. I'm like, you know, we're going to go like you and I are going now, man, for like, you know, over an hour or whatever. And I'm like, you tell me how much time you have and we will make it work. I promise you. So, no, she's she's great that way. So exactly. with yeah, my nonsense. So <laughs> I'm 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 getting the opportunity to go to Portland for the Rose City, City Comic Con. Cool. So I I get to, to go in her neck of the woods and, and maybe take some notes. Excellent. Time <laughs> management notes. Yeah, you know, yeah. they had that panel, her and Matt were on a panel and I missed it this year, but I was there last year, about how they just kind of strategize and really like, you know, the way they treat their profession as a business. Mm-hmm. And and they've just got it down, and I am so in awe of them. And literally take notes, and and you know the things they do, and it's just little things, but it yeah. keeps you on target, and it really does move your career forward. And you know, luck is when you know opportunity meets preparation, and they prepare for these opportunities that come to them. It's not you know just uh hey it's kelly sue and matt hey you want to do you want to write movies okay sure here you go no they've Mm -hmm. built you know they've built these careers they've built these years of of coming up with interesting ideas and and stacking them up and project to project it just makes them more i I think you know it it builds their audience it builds their awareness uh among the people that have the money (laughs) that want to make things and it's like all right, we want to hook up with you guys because you know what you're doing, and you yeah. get it. And it's, they, you know, they, they work. They yeah, work. man. It's, yeah, it's 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 hard to even, but it's just they they work. But it's but it's really well edited. But yeah. they get good. But they also get like you know important people because you know as you know Val. I mean, and I, I was saying this with with Sanford and and every artist and stuff. And sometimes I need to be reminded of this myself because sometimes word balloon gets a little writer heavy and not artist, and there's not enough artist time. God, the art sells the book so hard. I mean, honestly, right. from the cover to the inside, and you can have a great writer, but if the art is shit, you are fucked. They are. I don't care how great of a writer you. I don't care Alan Moore, Grant Morrison, any great writer. Uh, you know, I, I'll put people of color in there as well and say Dwayne McDuffie and 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 wonderful and Christopher Priest. If they got shit writers, they are fucked. They are yeah. screwed. And yeah. and you know, uh, it's it's that's the that's the truth. And and the great thing is, getting back to your art specifically and, and the people that you work with and stuff, I think you and Chris Peters, I mean, I, I think the color is really important here. And um, I forget which country. Chris is uh, South American. And I, is she in Brazil? Uh, Brazil. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I want to say Rod Rice introduced me to Chris. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, how often do you talk with her and, you know, uh, like in terms of uh, getting getting the right coloring and everything for what, what you guys are doing? Man, again, another hardworking creative out there, man. She uh, has so many things on the go. So we, uh, the, the majority of our conversation is just, when do you have a open window for me to deliver pages to you, right? Okay. And she'll she'll kind of just get on it and say, you know, I need pages between now and now. If you don't get it to me now and now, then we got to figure something else out because I have this book going and this book going and this book going. She works. She's incredible, man. I don't know how she does it. I don't know. I don't know how anybody does it. How, how is anybody doing any of this stuff? Everybody's going to find out I'm a fraud and I don't know. No, anything. no. No, right, no, no. The penciling. Hey, man, put doing the penciling and the inking and stuff, man. That's like, you know, that's that's a, that takes a lot of time. I, I get it. 
there's a bit of coordination that happens with it. But I mean, yeah, I mean, we we I I end up just sort of putting notes along with the file, just so Chris can get moving. Okay. You know, I I I just try and rapid fire it to her because there isn't much time for conversation. So I mean, we just uh, we 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 for for the issues that we did, it was just a lot of notes on the file. And she would get back to me if something didn't make sense or if I had screwed something up and, and she needed some clarity and, and, and we'd move forward from there. But not a lot of revisions for her. I mean, she's a sure. pro, so okay. yeah, everything everything worked out pretty well. And I would imagine the palette was discussed pre, you know, as, as that first issue and the tone for it from a color standpoint was obviously discussed yeah. before that first issue came out. We were still... There was a lot of stuff I think we were we were still trying to discover with the first issue. I mean, we we uh we knew we wanted some something different but at the same time something old, like to have it have that 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 pulpy newsprint type of feel to it. Interesting, absolutely. Yes, indeed. I wonder that's so, very interesting, man, because yeah, yeah cuz there is sort of a worn-out look to your art. On on the panels and stuff, and that that's very interesting. I like it. I like that a lot. A lot of it is me trying to do that intentionally. Sure, I to age it. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying my best. To, the thing is, is that so? I mean, we we when a lot of these books were coming out in the seventies, obviously artists didn't have antiques at hand. <laughs> so I and I already don't necessarily work exclusively digitally. Okay. I, I I jump back and forth quite a bit with my process, where you know I'll do the layouts digitally, but then I'll uh, print it out on a board and start inking anyway. Okay. Um. So. How long have you been? How long have you been doing uh, digital? Uh, well, let's see. Um. I. I know a little bit about graphic design and all that too, and and I worked at a magazine like doing ad layout and stuff like that too. Okay, okay. Working full time, so I mean, there was a bit of digital happening there. As far as my digital education and, and learning how programs like Illustrator and 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 Photoshop work, because back when I started, sure. I mean, there was no there was no Manga Studio or anything like that. Right, 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 right. So, which is why I mean, I'm still sort of using. Illustrator and Photoshop for what I'm doing just because it's what I know. I mean, I've, I've tried uh, a few. I've tried Sketchbook Pro and I've tried Manga Studio, and I'm I'm going back and forth and trying to uh, teach myself a little bit more with those. But my comfort zone is still sort of in Photoshop and all that. So uh, I picked up my Cintiq maybe three years ago. I have a one of the older ones, but um, yeah, I still can't exclusively do a picture. Or do an illustration, do any art digitally. I okay. still end up having to get something in front of me and 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 pencil it or or ink it or something, and it's probably adding more time to my actual output. But I can't seem to shake it yet. But in in the in the case of of Bitch Planet, I think it works because I get the opportunity to to to, to ink the pages out and and sort of enhance that, that, that feel that where the, the lines aren't as clean and they're yep. a little bit more rough and yes. 
and the, the so the reproduction won't be as clear uh-huh. because you know the, the, it wasn't as sharp back in the day too. So that's great. That's all man. stuff that I'm. It's all stuff I'm trying my best to imitate, and I I'm sure that there is a way to do it digitally, but I I don't possess that that skill or 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 level of understanding of uh, how the brushes work yet. So uh, maybe that will come, but I'm I'm kind of comfortable just still pulling out my 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 brush and 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 inking on the boards themselves it 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 seems to give the the uh the the the, the weight that I want for the the, the pages at this point when the pages are actually working for me. That's cool I though. That's I like, yeah. But that's really interesting and it's 180. I'm going to name drop here because um mm. my my couple times that I got to talk to the late Gene Colon I would talk to him about his 80s books in particular, and I can't remember which DC book it was. It wasn't a superhero book, but mm-hmm. you would, you know, he right up till the end, he was drawing these those beautiful uh, pencil uh, sketches, and I even have uh, a blade that he did for me that hangs in my in my house. It's one of my my absolute favorite commissioned pieces of art, and um, you know, he, I just remember in the 80s. The process of of just printing, even on Baxter paper and stuff, they just over, I don't know if it was the inking or the color process, but they would just like kind of blotch up his fine line, and it was just it, and that's kind of in the back of my head. I think that's what kind of registered with uh, with Bitch Planet and everything was like it's got that, and it's great that you're using it to effect, and that's the kind of thing he didn't. He was very modest about it, and like. Nah, that was the style. You just, you know, you worked with it. It was fine. You didn't, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't cry about it. You just had to move on to the next page and just deal with it or the next book after it came yeah. out. You know, what can you do? And uh, yeah. it's great to kind of hear that. Yeah, here's a 180 of no, I want to muddy it up to kind of give it that aging feel and stuff. So that's that's smart and really interesting, and I think it absolutely works. And I just love the whole vibe of this world that you guys have built as well. Um, just everything, you know, from the uh the way the media is kind of uh explored in the book and uh some of the uh psychological reprimanding that we're getting which is i think a 21st century version of things like uh clockwork orange yes as, as the yeah. way they're beating them down yeah i mean yeah tell me about designing on, on the sci-fi aspect and and those kinds of things and and that combination of relatable modern society but also taking it one step further to make it sci-fi and different and everything yeah where where are your influences coming from oh we've i've been i've been watching a lot of i i, I the, the the thing i've been trying to aim for is uh uh like how they used to try and portray the future back in like the 70s and 80s yep but <laughs> At the same time, it's hard because I understand a little bit more than, or, or there, there's there's new technology out right. now that right. wasn't out then. So when they made these huge screens that were, you know, like tubes instead of they they were they were CRTs instead of you know like flat screens, right? Sure. <laughs> because they didn't understand the flat screen technology was going to come out, and yeah. some were some. Movies did have a handle on that and did know that we were going to have displays, but others didn't. So you'd look at something like uh, like Total Recall. Sure. Right? So like Total Recall had like a really cool vision of, of, 
a lot of futuristic uh, tech or, or, or advancements, like how we were going to move forward with with holograms and and things like that. But yep. at the same time, there's a, a that scene when when Arnold ends up on the subway and he's running away, like the subway's filled with all these like huge TVs mounted on poles, and it was. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks it looks ridiculous but it's it's it was the understanding like they knew that the media was going to be present they knew it was going to be a lot of screens that everybody was going to be uh bombarded by by imagery and and advertising and all of that right so it it's trying to find that balance to try and find that awkward um where is where is where are we going to go with this next uh phase of of tech and and communicating messages but uh trying to make it uh futuristic and at the same time make it look a little bit awkward i don't know i'm 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 still working that out i'm still trying to find a a, a nice balance between it but there's a lot of influence from like blade runner and 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 outland that sure. uh, the the sean connery flick man oh, yeah. that, that one yeah i <laughs> Not only that, but I've been looking at the Steranko, um adaptation of it too. I mean, that's that's been oh, a yeah. for me as well. Oh, that's that 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 is some solid Steranko. That's that awesome, is, man. That's fantastic. Very yeah, very so cool. that and some heavy metal stuff. It's, oh, sure. It's all coming from a lot of different a lot of different uh, directions right now. Just um, I was probably it, it, me taking on a sci-fi project is is outside of my wheelhouse entirely this is outside of my comfort zone i but i knew i wanted to kind of push myself out of uh noir and well the 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 street level Mm -hmm. crime noir stuff i wanted to move to something a little bit more i guess challenging to keep moving forward right so this has been it hasn't been the easiest thing in the world i mean i don't know if i'm uh making a convincing backdrop for this yet I, I i'm hoping people will stick around and hopefully by the next volume i'll have something a little more uh weighty as far as the the environment goes i'm i'm still putting some notes together and 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 searching for more direction and influence and ideas for for the future but it's all it's all a lot of fun to to play around with and imagine new uh New ideas and new innovation, like the ways that we would make things easier for ourselves, but uh, not give it. It's hard to explain. I don't know. It's sci-fi. I don't know how to explain it. It's really it's it's one of those challenging things for me, and and and, and I don't. I'm still trying to find my way around it. Well, I, I, honestly, I think you're succeeding, and I and I do think, uh, depending on where the story goes, I mean, I, I don't want to spoil what happens in five. Five is a very impactful issue that will cause a lot of people to talk and i will be talking to kel in the weeks ahead as well so i don't want to be jimmy spoiler and and be a jerk and you know i wanted to read it i've been waiting months come on so you know you know no this is uh it's interesting and it, it is a question of yeah where do you guys go next and that will be very exciting and we've got taki's issue coming up like you said uh for issue six no, I, uh, this is good, man, and I, I I look forward to being on the journey with you and finding out as you do as well uh, what the what the future holds for Bitch Planet. But I got to hand it to you again, man. I'm i honestly this is uh, you're a good guy, and it couldn't happen to a nicer uh, two people 
and, and just the writer and artist and, and the two of you and then the entire crew that you guys have as well. Uh, I congratulate you on, a, on an excellent series that absolutely uh, deserves people's attention. If you haven't read, because it is tough to get the first five issues, I'm proud to say, or I should say the first four issues of Bitch Planet. Yes. It, it is in Chicago, and I mean, Chicago's a pretty healthy uh, comics market, as I'm sure Toronto is as well. And, you know, it flew off the stands, and congratulations on that. The good news is the trade comes, first of all, issue five comes out uh, this uh, the week that you're hearing Word Balloon, um, uh, the week after uh, Labor Day weekend. And uh, so that's, let's see, what's today? Today's the second, so the ninth it's coming out, Tonight. I believe. Yes. Yeah, so September 9th is when issue five comes out. October is when the trade comes out. Um, and then uh, Val and Kel will be at, as you say, Rose City. Is that in September? Uh, yeah, Rose City is the 16th, I think the 19th and the 20th, something like that in September. Excellent. That, that, that weekend. Okay. So it's in another couple weeks, yeah. Fan Expo yeah. just happened, right? Fan Expo is starting tomorrow. Oh, it's this, as we're recording, yeah. it's this weekend. Unfortunately, this so week. uh, when it comes out, it will be after the fact. But, uh, well, yeah. so I, uh, you know, that's all right. So Val was there, if you're listening, and I'm sorry that I couldn't promote it prior to, uh, <laughs> prior to you no, being there. No worries. But, uh, okay, so cool. So, yeah, so Rose City in Portland, uh, uh, late September, or the, like you said, the 19th, 18th, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, man, I don't know why I don't understand. I think I just because I just booked my don't worry, man. ticket for Portland, and I know that I booked for the 16th, which is the Thursday. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, Thursday night. Okay, there you go. And then it, yeah, it'll it'll go on till Sunday. Excellent. So it's a long show. It's oh man, why, well, Jesus, man? Thanks for uh, talking to me right before the fan expo. Good God. Man, I, I've got that show under under control. That's fine. It's the backyard. I understand. That's how I am with C2E2. It's like, ah, slam dunk. Don't worry about it. I get yeah. up. I take the train. I'm there. No problem. It's a vacation. Yeah. The, uh... I'm, hours, I'm hours away from my anxiety attack for that show. It's fine. <laughs> do, you do, do you do commissions at, uh, at shows? Yeah, I do. I, I still have a few to finish up for Fan Expo, actually. Okay. All right. And, That's um... why I'm saying. I'm, I'm going to, you know, just mess around for a bit and not work on them and then you know <laughs> the morning it'll hit and i'm like how many commissions do i have to do what's that three sure not a problem. well i hope people get a chance to uh hit you up for uh commissions not only at fan expo but uh, at rose city and maybe new york as well you're gonna have a table in artist alley yeah in new york yes excellent i know i will see yeah, you there I'll regardless so that one's great because i mean the trade is coming out the day before oh perfect perfect yeah Fantastic. Excellent. Is there anything extra that you're doing art-wise for the trade that uh, hasn't been in the in the five issues? No, we didn't collect anything. Uh, we didn't collect the essays. Okay, yeah, I kind of and, figured, and I know that's kind of the image way. And we threw the, the, the covers in. I don't think there was enough room for any sketches or okay. anything like that either. Okay. But, you know, this is all for us keeping our fingers crossed that there will be some larger... Oh, yeah. Hardcover edition coming out down the road. I certainly we'll, hope so. We'll probably, we'll probably throw some goodies in there, hopefully, if, if, uh, if uh, you know, there's, there's interest in those things. Fantastic, man. Well, we will touch base in New York. And, uh, again, well done. Keep it up. Try to, try to you know, <laughs> balance that life with uh, work. I know it's always tough, but uh, 
I'm, I'm really glad that this is happening for both of you guys and really the whole Bitch Planet crew. Uh, excellent book. Well-deserving of everyone's attention. Uh, issue 5, September 9th. Um, that Wednesday right before New York Comic Con is when the trade comes out from Image, the first five issues of Bitch Planet. It's uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick and today's guest, Val Delandro. And uh, really appreciate the time today, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. I think back to that time where Ben Blacker said, hey, man, um, you're going to do the podcast panel in San Diego. Do you got room for Heath Corson? And I'm like, oh, geez, man, I don't know. I got, I'm like, I already got you on there. I said, I don't know if I can have two of you guys on there. So if not this year, how about next year? Heath came on the following year uh, and has become a good friend of the program ever since. And uh, he's a Chicago guy, so I'm always happy to welcome him back. In fact, he was here for a, source, a store signing at uh, Challengers Comics. Uh, in fact, the day after we recorded this conversation, uh, this conversation was recorded uh, Tuesday this week. But uh, it was holiday week, and he was in seeing uh, family and stuff. And uh, it was a great uh, opportunity for Heath to come up to uh, the Prudential Building and our beautiful uh, skyline view and uh, have this wonderful conversation about Bizarro, DC Comics, DC Animation, and a whole lot more. Heath Corson, now on Word Balloon. All right, I'm back in the uh, radio bat cave, as I like to call it. It's like, uh, you know, my regular bat cave is my apartment. This is like the Wayne, the Wayne Foundation sure. bat cave. This and is the everything. away cave. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, Ed Cato, who writes for ComicMix.com, which is Mike Gold's comic news website, uh-huh. he brought up the Batman story, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was from 69, where Dick Grayson goes to Hudson University for the first time. Okay. And they close up the Batcave. They close up Wayne Manor. And, he, like, they send Dick to university in a cab. <laughs> okay. Which is awesome. And they and they do. They're like, you know, he and he and Alfred, are, Bruce and Alfred are talking. And, like, you know something? Uh, you know, it, it's just not the same with Dick anymore. We're going to let's close this up. Let's move downtown. Let's go to the penthouse at, at Wayne Foundation and stuff. And let's set up shop there. That's awesome. And that, and that was that major shift that just happened. I'm telling this, of course, to Heath Corson. <laughs> <laughs> the writer of Bizarro, and, right. uh, and no, and I'm trying to explain that. Yes, so this would be my my uh, pet, and it is a penthouse because it we're penthouse. we're twenty we're on the twenty seventh floor of the Prudential Building. A spectacular view. We are high of, above Chicago. Indeed, a great city. It is, and you know, it's uh, it's still light out early. But the one good thing when it gets dark early is you really appreciate the skyline. And oh, it, yeah. and when I when I'm in our break room and we see all the lights and everything, I do feel like Bruce Wayne. Oh, it yeah. is Bruce Wayne I looking bet. over Gotham City. It's awesome. So good to see you, man. Good to see you. This As is always, great. I like whether we do this. I like that I get to come in town. I get to hang out. I get to come to the radio station. I mean, Absolutely. this is fantastic. You, you got your uh, Bing Crosby collection on today. You I do. Your, <laughs> you got your Hawaiian shirt and your plaid, yeah, your plaid, plaid shorts. Pants. Exactly. All right, where's the bean? <laughs> I want to take a picture of the bean. I did take a picture of the bean. You got it. You got it. Yeah. It's all right. I understand. Uh, you and Gustavo Duarte are doing amazing things with Bizarro. Nice Thank going. Thank you man. so much. I it's, so appreciate it. We're we're having a huge fun. We're having just a great amount of time. Uh, that was almost Bizarro speak. Having huge fun. Having huge fun. Me am having really unusual fun. Me hate this book. Yeah. No, it's, it's uh, it's. I'll tell you, we're just having a blast. I just turned in my my final script for uh, number six, and cool. it was so sad. I had the wow. hardest time like letting go with these guys. Like it was really, really hard. Has four come out yet? Four comes out in I think a week. I think next. Okay, week. good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, this yeah, will yeah. be out before four comes out. Okay, good. So that's good. Nineteenth. Four is out on the nineteenth. Oh, so that's two weeks away. Yeah, two weeks away. 
Right? Yeah, that's I'm gonna right. Do my math. right. Yes, yes, yes. Because tomorrow's the ninth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, tomorrow's the well, no, the sixteenth then. Sixteenth then. Oh, yes. so it is next week. Sixteenth. Yeah, all right, it is next mind. week. All, all right, right, there you go. All right, so now you've all read four. <laughs> no, actually, uh, you'll you'll be about to read four. You'll be about to read four. But uh, I loved the Ghost Town. Was a lot Ghost of fun. Ghost Town is fun. Great Old to, Gold Gulch. Absolutely good to see Jonah Hex uh, showing up. Nice little cameo. <laughs> nice little cameo. Very very Come cool. Come see his great great granddaughter. Indeed. Chastity. Chastity Hex. I like it. Yeah. No, that's cool. Much prettier than Jonah. Much prettier. <laughs> yeah. She's got sort of the same sort of snarl. Though. <laughs> she sort of at one point gives us the same sort of snarl. Did you? Was that a direction, yeah. there, Gustavo? That's fantastic. Yeah, I was like, she's got to, she's got to have the same sort of snarl. And uh, Gustavo drew her with the same hat, which of I course. like. Yeah, I know that was great when they're face to face. How you yeah. doing? How you doing? How you doing? Nice that hat. was awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, that really funny and. Uh, no, very bold. I mean, God, I'm... Uh, El Papagayo. I, I mean, how long has yes. it been since you got to see El Papagayo? Yeah, really. No, all right, so, because I do remember him from uh-huh. the Western. From Jonah Hex? It was a Jonah Hex character. He's a Jonah Hex villain. Did not remember the, specifically. I wondered if he was Scalp Hunter. And, and also, kind of an un, uncredited grouping of, like, Scalp Hunter. Uh-huh. And a few of the others are over uh, there. Cinnamon uh, was Cinnamon there. Cinnamon was over there. Who else? Uh, Batlash? Batlash, and, and I'm Bat-Lash. sure. Batlash, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. No, I love I those I told guys. Gustavo, I was like, here's a list of like nine. You pick who you want. He calls me a big nerd. He's like, you are an uber nerd because I li- I have all these references that I keep throwing in. And he's like, I don't know what this is. Uh, coming up in four uh, when we have we have Zatanna. Yeah, I saw the uh, the, saw road, the, the road sign. Yes, indeed. The road indeed. sign. So Zatanna is coming. Cool. They meet Zatanna in Branson, Missouri. Yeah, they're going to Branson. <laughs> they go to Branson, where Zatanna Which is Bizarro America. Which is Bizarro America. Absolutely, man. And uh, Bizarro goes to see Zatanna and nudges Jimmy and says, me no understand what she am saying. And Jimmy's like, no, you don't. It's gibberish. It's magical gibberish. And he's like, he hears her use her spells. And he goes... No, wait, I think I understand. So it turns out Bizarro is a very powerful backwards magician in his own right. Fantastic. So Bizarro starts using backwards magic as well. Of course. Opens up a portal and falls through all the dimensions of the DCU. Oh, fantastic. Wow, that'll be fun. (laughs) So we see him fall through a whole bunch of dimensions, and I'm listing all these places, and Gustavo's like, I don't even know what this is. Oh, and that's I was like, great! You got to go look it up. He's like, "What is the Parliament of Trees?" He's like, oh, "What fantastic. is that?" And I was like, "No, no, go look that up." Is so Bizarre going to take a whiz in the Parliament of Trees? <laughs> he falls. Me and me to use number one. <laughs> he falls through the Parliament of Trees, which they're actually arguing like their Parliament. So he, he tiptoes through them. Uh, he he ends up. In, it's question and answer time at the Parliament of Trees. Yeah, he ends up in the uh, uh, the the most exclusive <laughs> diner in Hell, where okay. uh, uh, Etrigan is ordering his breakfast in rhyme. <laughs> he ends up in the House of Mystery. Fantastic. He ends up in Gem World. Awesome. <laughs> he ends up in Scarteris. Wow. Actually, I love Scarteris. I love Scarteris. Man, I'm telling you, Warlord. I love that guy. Yeah. Ugh. Huge Travis. fun. Ugh. Huge fun. And every time he, he does magic, Zatanna gets more and more frustrated because he's so natural at it. She's like, do you have any idea how long it took for me to learn this stuff? Oh, that's awesome. Like, this is really hard. And he's making this look easy. I'm so he, mad at he's him. He's kind of like Rain Man. He's perfect. He's, you a, know? He's, a, he's a natural backwards magician. That's awesome. That's really, really great. So and- that becomes very, very uh, problematic for the two of them. No, man, you guys are firing on all cylinders. Seriously, uh, it's a funny, it's legitimately a funny script. I am not being nice. Thank you. Thank you. And Gustavo is doing this wonderful combination of storybook kind of art, but it also has this kind of Mad Magazine feel to it because of his style. Yes. 
it's so fun. It has this sort of, I always say it has this like animation feel, and yet he gets such depth of emotion in the characters' faces that it totally sells it. Like it wouldn't work if he wasn't as good at bringing those emotions to those characters. Mm -hmm. So you see when Jimmy smacks his face, exasperated, and Bizarro just sort of smiles at him with that sort of like daft, uh, I don't know why we're upset. Exactly. Isn't this great? Yeah. Yeah. He's enjoying himself. Absolutely. So much fun. I mean, (laughs) I just can't tell you how impressed I am by him. And we, we, text each other all day long like i'll send him jokes and he'll send me uh drawings and sketches and bits and character designs and it's so much fun we're having a great time and we've never met i was gonna ask now is he american or is he like no uh, he's in he's brazil south american he's, he's south american he's so south he is american, american but yeah. uh, the the other one yeah he's in brazil <laughs> uh he's really good friends with um uh rafael albuquerque makes sense and uh fabio uh moon and gabriel ba hence the hence now, was our, it was it just the one it was image? just the one page man that's awesome though and really if i'm the brothers i'm selling that at their table because uh for people who haven't bought three uh there's a great kind of transparent bizarro moment uh-huh where papagayo is a papagayo El papagayo yeah, yeah he, he kind of like shrinks down and, and runs around bizarro inside that's right and we get a nice little tour of what how what makes bizarro what tick. makes bizarro tick and as a ghost he goes to possess bizarro so he goes inside <laughs> and i thought um you know we've been doing these we've been doing these splash pages and we try to do a couple every issue and 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 try to make them with guest artists or with, with some guest artists yeah, go on. and try to make it interesting and different Different and uh, uh, really pop. So I was like, what can we do in this one that's going to be different? And I thought, what if El Papagayo had to navigate Bizarro? And what does that look like? And like <laughs> the maze of his brain and how his heart basically takes up his entire chest. It's a very big so heart. It's all very. Um, it, it, and it played on the magical realism oh, of definitely. what these guys are good sure. at. And, and he actually has his brains in his fists yeah. because you thought, oh, Bizarro thinks with his fists. Of I course like he does. Absolutely, man. Uh, which is very funny to make that literal. Absolutely. Uh, it was just really funny. And so he hog ties the little uh, inner child, the little pudgy inner that's child right. that he has. <laughs> and that's how he takes over his body. That's right. Yeah. Now, very fantastic voyage. Very fantastic. So I was just uh, I was just defending Stephen Boyd. I'm like, how come Stephen Boyd is not a nerd hero? Because between that and whipping Ben Hur right. in the chariot scene, I'm right. like, those are two big touchstone movies. Are, don't, yeah, that's don't get really me wrong. interesting. Do you know the Oscar? His, the, his movie, The Oscar. No. Oh, you got to see the because the Oscar is a terrible movie. Okay, horrible movie. And he's up for a best actor's role. And Tony Bennett plays his best friend. And, okay. and is terrible and can't act. Milton Berle is his henpecked manager and can't act. Oh my God. And Elkie Summer. And they yeah. and it's it's a great movie for all the wrong reasons because it's totally over the top. And my, that might be why. But I mean in no in no different than Shatner's Esperanto Shakespeare. Right. So, you know, it's like I, I don't know. I, I, I don't understand why Stephen Boyd isn't like Lord. That's amazing. A, I gotta go yeah. look that up. So anyway, anyway, sidetrack. Back to back to Bizarro. So you're doing six issues. We're doing six issues. Very cool. We've uh, uh I've written all of them right now. I'm cool. seeing art for five. Excellent. Um I will I will this is ex- exclusive. I will tell oh, you, you that five is our uh they let they make it to Vegas. I I'd hope that Vegas was eventually gonna Vegas be part of Vegas is eventually gonna be there. It is our uh, Ocean's Eleven. Who a heist? Uh, heist. Oh, fantastic! In uh, uh, <laughs> Area Fifty One. 
It is our Area 51 heist um, oh, very uh, nice. book. Very cool. So they assemble their crew and they do their uh, their 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 bizarro heist. See, if I had had time, either with the Vegas issue or uh, Branson, I would have said to you, man, I hope Johnny Nevada makes an appearance. Right? Remember Giovanni, Johnny Nevada? Uh-huh. The Johnny Carson of Metropolis. Sure. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's so cold. Johnny Here Nevada would have been great, you know, because I that I haven't thought of that, and uh, you know, since Kurt Swan, or Kurt Swan was drawing, and That's you know, right. Kerry Bates and, and Elliot Magan were writing. You know, Superman. we didn't get, we didn't stay in Metropolis for very long. We didn't stay in Metropolis for very long. Otherwise, I would have thrown in a, uh, you know, it was it, I got to throw in Clark just in that one page, and uh, and we have a little <laughs> Superman cameo where he goes to get the Riddler after the Riddler. Yes. Has, <laughs> yeah, he's got the signal watch. Hey, what happens his, when I do this? When I do this? Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually, there was a bit, this is the director's cut, there was a bit that got cut uh, because I didn't have the pages for it in six, which was going to be uh, Superman, carry, a pickup of that scene where Superman's carrying the Riddler to prison and the Riddler is telling him why the signal watch is the dumbest idea he's ever heard. He's like, what are you doing? You give one guy a signal? He's like, if I were you, the smart way to do that is create an app. Create a Superman app. Give everybody the thing. That way, if anybody sees anything bad, they all have a way to connect to you. It's like, you're the idiot who just gave one guy the signal. What's the matter with you? It's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. And have Superman just steaming. He's so angry. Oh, he's just, <laughs> he's yeah, so no, no comeback. I like that. He hates it. I and like he that. knocks him into the uh, into billboard. He flies callback. a little low and whacks him into the billboard. Oh, that's nice. There you go. Yeah. Man, no, you know, no good callback for your assault on Arkham. For my assault on Arkham, that's right. I so do like go. a Riddler. I do like myself a Riddler. I, hey, man, I think uh, what you did with the Riddler was great. What Snyder did with the Riddler yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, they, I no. do like. I, I think I talked to you about it, and when we talk about assault on Arkham, I said that uh, uh, the connection I have with the Riddler is he is a uh, screenwriter. That's right. He, he just wants the credit. He wants everybody to know it's him. <laughs> he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, and uh, he just he just loves pointing out how bad everybody else is. He's a fanboy. I like he's, it. He's the smartest writer in the room. No, very cool. Um do you you don't have to spoil and let us know. Sure. But do you have do you have any DC books on the way after a uh, Nothing episode? is planned just yet. Okay. I'm I'm talking to them about some stuff and I would love to be able to do something else. I know Gustavo and I would love to uh keep the team together and either revisit Bizarro um uh, in one way or another, because we had such a great time playing with these guys. They're such a natural comedy team. Um, we also were coming up with some ideas of some other little corners of the DCU that we could maybe pitch and, and, and take out. And then I'm talking to some of the editors about doing some more work. I would love, love, love to keep a foot in comic books and do some more stuff. When, when Bizarro One came out, was that before or after San Diego? It was before San Diego. Okay, so By the first San issue Diego, had come out. I think the second one oh, was okay. out that okay. week. So, so have you had a chance? It. Yeah, I was going to say, have you had a chance to talk to fans about the uh, book? I have. People People that are reading it are really enjoying it. I've seen a few things on Twitter where people will say yeah, nice things to you. people have said some really, really yeah. nice things. I think the buzz has been really good. Definitely. Um, I think it's great as an all-ages book because it's Absolutely. not a, a kid's book that patronizes kids. It's not a kiddie book. doesn't talk down to people. It happens to be a four-quadrant book that kids can read. What are the other two quadrants? Um... Boy old Scouts and, all, and Boy Scouts. All, you know, old people, old people. I like it. Yeah, old people <laughs> well, and uh, uh, fans, longtime fans, <laughs> chicks. Yeah. I don't know. No, honestly, I don't know. I, no, like, I don't. When you say four quadrants, I'm like, quadrants. all right, we'll yeah, give me the other. Because you got kids, you got I fans. Know. I don't know. Animals. Got, I like animals. Old, I like old people. Old people, animals, 
Animals love Bizarro because right, they love excellent. Colin. <laughs> Everybody loves a chupacabra. This is true. Um, but the response has been really the response has been really good. good. I think people are getting the humor. I think they're liking oh, what yeah. we're doing with it. I think that they're. they're I, I, and also, I think because it's so radically different from anything else DC is doing. Absolutely. And it came at a time where uh, it, they weren't doing any comedy books except for, I think, Justice League 3000. Well, Harley Quinn, the closest, of course. And Harley Quinn. Um, so yeah. this is a very different. This is sort of like the Looney Tunes uh, Definitely. Uh, voice. Well, and the cool thing is you're doing your thing. And then also Jurgens with Batmite doing, doing something different. But again, yeah. more comedy and stuff. And I think yeah. that's cool. So too. it was nice to have some very pure comedy books again. Yeah. And have that out there. And so I think uh, uh, people were really surprised that DC got behind that and were allowing us to do that. That's awesome. And uh, so in that sense, it's been really, really great. You know? I, I, we've had a ball doing it, and I can't say that enough. And I think we're doing the book that we want to be doing. Cool. So that's cool. Have they and said? We, have they said no to anything that you've wanted to put in there? The only the only thing that we got a no on, and it really was the only thing, and it was for a perfectly reasonable explanation, was I wanted to do. Um, Giant Turtle Olsen. Sure. And Giant Turtle Olsen was already in a script for Justice League 3001. Right. Yeah, I just so read DeMattis, that. So uh, DeMattis uh, beat me to it. Ah. And so they were like, figure out something else. All right. Well, and that's I was like, fair. okay. So I went back to all the transformations of Jimmy Olsen and uh, picked something else. And that's so, cool. And uh, so, uh, yeah. No, You'll you're see right. in number four that, um, that we might see the appearance of uh, uh, Bizarro Jimmy. Jim Zaro. Fant- Jim Zaro. Fantastic. I, I'm trying to remember. Well, of course, in general, in those Alvin Schwartz comics back in the 60s, we'd see the Daily Planet as as Bizarro's. Right. So I'm sure we saw Jimmy. We like saw that. Bizarro Jimmy at one so. point. And so uh, uh, I will tell you that uh, using magic, uh, Jimmy and Bizarro uh, Freaky Friday each other. Oh, funny. And so they switch. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. So we'll have a normal Bizarro. We have a normal Bizarro. Interesting. We get a normal Bizarro and we get a normal Jimmy because Bizarro wishes that Jimmy would understand him better. Oh, funny. Because he feels that he's not making himself very clear. So we have them stepping into each other's shoes and seeing what that's like. Okay, so it won't be, obviously, so, well, I guess we'll wait and read the comic because it's like, you know, the thought would be that he would just be Superman at that point. Right. But maybe not. Maybe not. All right, I like it. Maybe not. And I don't want you to tell me. It's very interesting. It's very very fun. Very good. Hey, I really liked your animated movie uh, that came out in the spring. Oh, which the Batman, the Batman Unlimited? I forgot about Batman Unlimited. Two I was, Batman Unlimited's are out. All right, because I was talking about. I'm talking about Tom and Jerry Spy Quest. Tom and Jerry Spy Quest, which was the much like uh, when James Tucker made that uh, Scoopy Doo Mask of the Blue Falcon, which was so good. It was awesome. So good. And I would honestly say that you did the near impossible, and that is have concurrently a solid Johnny Quest and a solid Tom and Jerry. And as I was telling our, my one of my coworkers as we were coming up here to do the interview, I'm like, this isn't that crappy 70s Tom and Jerry where they're <laughs> doped up on Ridland or something like right. that, and they're just too happy to be there. No conflict whatsoever. Oh, no, this they're, is they're your classic still... <laughs> MGM jabbing each other with needles and yep. umbrellas, and you got the you know, I mean, everything that made Tom and Jerry and great. three cats in Iron Man outfits. I mean, like, it's crazy. It's, and one I of mean, them's kind of got a Rain Man thing going? Yeah. Definitely. It's, it's all pretty nuts. Like, I'm not sure why this is uh, uh, Dr. Z's great idea is to put these cats in armor, but... For some reason, it works, and it's super fun. I, I got to write that with uh, Jim Krieg, who oh, cool. also wrote um, 
Uh, Earth X? Uh, Earth that, X? Or, or, I no. Think, oh, I was thinking no, of his comics did, that he wrote. He so did. Who, um, maybe I'm thinking of somebody uh, else. Go ahead. Uh, Flashpoint Paradigm. Oh, he did the film. He did the, d- he the did animation. The film. Yeah, he's an animation oh, cool. writer. He's great. Okay. So Jim and I got to write that one together, and we had Excellent. A, quite a blast. It was really a lot of fun. And are you a big Johnny Quest guy? I am a Johnny Quest I guy. I am, too. You know, I heard Kevin Smith, not to call you out, Kevin, forgive me, but I heard Fat Man on Batman recently, and he and Mike, Mark Bernard were talking about how, and you're going to have to ask Mark about this, and say, what do you mean? Because Mark kind of agreed with him. He's like, yeah, Johnny Quest, I never got it. It's like... What's not to get? Right. It is every 10-year-old's dream yeah. to ride around on a jetpack, shoot laser beams, yeah. and fight interesting James Bond bad guys that are at an even better science fiction level, and pterodactyls, and Everything. mummies. Mummies. And, I and mean, it's, it's that James Alex Bond. Tov- it's, it's, it's kid James, it's kid um, uh, Indiana Jones. Absolutely, man. Oh, God. I, no, I, I'm like... Oh, uh, I thought it was so fun. And, I, and they were talking more specifically that they had heard Robert Rodriguez, I guess, is working on a live action right, right. Johnny Quest. Yeah. And I don't know where that is in production. I, I think they're heard. just starting. And I'm telling well, you, that is going to make... That's going to... Uh, it's it's going to revitalize that whole thing. I, I mean, like, think Because so. uh, Rodriguez is great. And I hope they so keep it, fun. period. Do we know if it's going to stay, period? You know, it's a great call. I don't know. Because, you know, I mean, it, you know, really, <laughs> in espionage today with terrorism and stuff like that, it's like... Right. You know, I don't know how cool. I don't know how cute it is. <laughs> right, Johnny Quest going up against ISIS or well, something I like that. You, you have know? to keep it in the supernatural realm. Right. Like I think you got to make it like fighting the the dinosaurs and the sure. spacemen and the the robots and like all that kind of stuff. I do love that eye that walks around on the, <laughs> the on spider the legs. That thing scared me. It haunted my dreams. They did a great riff on that on Venture Brothers. Then they would yes. they oh. Uh, Venture Brothers is brilliant, and uh, new season coming yeah. coming up. I'm psyched. It's very exciting. No, I agree. And Which I, is Johnny Quest as a as a as an adult? Absolutely, like a failed adult. Johnny would have a as failed an adult. adult. Absolutely, so funny. Doc, I'd like to help you. <laughs> that great Brock uh, Sampson voice and everything, and also the the times that Johnny and Race have shown up on uh, oh, Venture totally. Brothers. As his, as his dad. <laughs> well, no, that's well, that's Ben and Quest. There, or oh, whatever. they did do. But Johnny showed up. Johnny's he did, like, and he was Johnny's, all hopped up. Yeah, he was like Dennis. Like he reminded me of Jay North, uh, uh-huh. the, the original Dennis the Menace from the fifties TV show and stuff. In terms of like one of those child actors gone wrong, and uh, and Ray, <laughs> race, they kind of made, I believe, kind of bisexual. Not that there's anything sure. wrong with that, but it was great, and it was tell Johnny I. I <laughs> And he dies. Right. And then, and then, of course, his, uh, his when he dies, his extremities relax and suddenly he shits his pants as he <laughs> dies. Yeah, they never tell you about that, do they? <laughs> I got, That's uh, such a sharp show. Oh, I mean, those guys are so crazy. Absolutely, man. So crazy. No, the it's Monarch. such a great show. Monarch is one of my favorite characters. Dr. Girlfriend I, with the Tony Curtis face. I had a Guild of Calabasas Intent t-shirt that I used to wear all the time until <laughs> I think it fell apart. Well, it, it what uh, Doctor Girlfriend reminded me of was my favorite Flintstone episode with Slave Boy, where Tony Cl- Curtis is Slave Boy, and it's like a parody of Spartacus. Okay, and it's Hi, Mister Flintstone, I am your Slave Boy, and uh, and he says like he's doing his lines from the movie, and he and uh, somebody in the in the movie goes, I love you, Slave Boy. And it's just that Tony Curtis. My voice. gosh, that's so weird. You know that that garbage disposal voice. Yeah. I'm from the Bronx. I don't know if you knew this yeah. about me. Hello, I'm Bernie Schwartz. Doctor Girlfriend. He's, Doctor honey, Girlfriend makes me laugh. Honey, I understand. I'm wearing my Jackie O outfit. I'm yeah. very hot, but otherwise, I got this freaky voice. It's so funny. It's a great show. Man. It's a I great love show. It's so sharp. But but uh, Spy Quest, I think 
much like Bizarro is another thing that I think you could watch with your kids and they're going to enjoy it. And you'll have a blast with the Easter egg of adult humor that's just kind of totally. sliding in there. And that's the thing that we, we've done that with Bizarro a lot is there's a lot of tips to the old um, fans. Yes. Basically, people like me who I'm like, oh, this is going to be a great joke. This is going to be a great Hawkman joke that someone will get. Or this will be a great Adam Strange tip of the hat or a old Swamp Thing joke. So we, I love doing those old cameos and doing stuff like that. And then I'll tell you, I ran into Mark Guggenheim and Guggenheim was like, Bizarro was so funny. Oh, that's And I great. was like, this is so nice. I'm, I'm working with um, uh, Tara Butters and Michelle Fazekas. I'm doing a, I'm, Agent I'm Carter? developing with them. No, I'm not doing Agent Carter. I'm developing a TV show with them. Hey, that's great. It's great. It's they're, wow. They're the nicest people in the oh, world. Dude, uh, oh, dude. Oh, my. Fingers crossed, man. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. So, but I'm developing with them. And Fantastic. They're, they're great. And... Um, I ran into Mark at a dinner party, and he said, "I said, did you see the uh, the you have failed this city shirt in Bizarro? Because we do a little cameo in number two, <laughs> where it's where Bizarro is. They land in Star City, and Bizarro is wearing a, an arrow shirt that says you have failed this city, and they're laughing, and he's got his thumbs up because he's so excited. <laughs> and he's like, I saw it, and I held it up to our whole writers' room, and I was like, I, we were finally arrived. That's we awesome. Here. We're in the zeitgeist, and I was like." I'm not sure it's me. I think it's me boots. I don't think it's me bootstrapping you, Mark. I think it's you bootstrapping us. I'm, I'm not so sure we're the ones. But he was like, no, it was so fun. And we just had a great time seeing that. I'm so happy for him. I really am. Because oh, yeah. he's he's always been a good guy. And I, and I mean, really, I, I've loved his comic work for over 10 years at least. And God, I always tell him, I'm like, dude, your blade with Howard Chaykin was so good. Unbelievable. And among other things. And I really like his, isn't he doing Squadron He's Supreme? doing Squadron. And I told him, I was like, you are it's living really the dream. Good. You're making a TV show for DC and you're writing comic books for Marvel. I was like, how are you doing that? Like, you are just living the dream. Absolutely. No, and they're, I mean, the good news is... Like and and really, you got to hand it to DC because really the TV has been exceptional for fifteen TV's years been great. now. They've been doing a good job. You know, going back to Smallville, ever, it's ever like Smallville. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, and that's and that's wonderful. And I'm very excited for Legends of Tomorrow. And yeah, uh, and also, I, did you see the Supergirl pilot? Have you had a chance? to I see haven't it? seen the pilot yet. I've seen all the the, did you the, saw the six minutes. I've uh, seen the six minutes. Yeah. Looks good. She looks great. I got a buddy who's directing. He's like, she's the real deal, and she's a oh, lot yeah. of fun. Hey, and- I got to tell you, and I and I was saying this in San Diego, and I mean it. If I'm Fox, I'm a little nervous about Gotham being oh, yeah? up against Supergirl. Yeah, yeah, because it's like, do you want? And I, and I know, word balloon listeners, you're going to be sick of this analogy. Forgive me, but I'm doing this for Heath. Do you want 11 year old Bruce Wayne scratching his nose and he kind of looks like Batman, or do you want Supergirl today right. now? Right. And also with a bunch of girls that are like wanting girl power out on their TVs oh, and movies as much as possible. And that's like, hey, within the first 15 minutes, she's Supergirl. Right. And like that's saving great. and like, you know, in the six minutes and stuff, the, the airplane yeah, scene. Yeah. I mean, it's it looks great. It's a yeah. great idea. It's like, an excellent about idea. About time. I'm so excited about that. Yeah. You no, know? no. And, and the deeper mythos. And I'll just leave it at that is very satisfying for any Superman fan. They will not be disappointed. Oh, good. And yeah, I and it's just weird, though, that like, yeah, both shows are going to be on opposite each other. It's interesting. It's stupid. It's interesting. <laughs> well, either way, either way, uh, DC wins, you know? Yeah, that's uh, true, unless too. Unless one goes away, then... And I don't think that'll happen. I literally do think that um, if one, you know, like if Supergirl doesn't succeed, I'm right. sure they'll move it because right. it's not... At least based on the pilot, it's not for a lack of quality. And I do think Gotham is good, but I would really be nervous because 
I think Gotham is more of a nine o'clock. I'll put it in uh, West and East Coast terms because yeah, yeah. I'm here. We're here in the Midwest, but yeah, it's more of a nine o'clock show than a, than an eight o'clock show. Oh, I agree with that. And I and I kind of think Supergirl is like a perfect eight o'clock perfect show. Perfect eight o'clock show. I you agree. Know? And and yeah, I mean, it's I, bright and it's fun. Exactly, and it's bouncy and she's cool and she's a great hero. Like I, I think it's very very smart. Yeah, I wonder I wonder how extravagant they're going to get to be with the the fights and the um, the action. Well, and again, I mean, you're right. And all we saw was the the pilot, and obviously yeah. they could put the, they could put serious money into the pilot yeah. compared to but the week to week. They did a great job with Flash. Yes, they Flash, did. Flash. I mean, Berlani's a he's. I completely. Agree. I agree. I think Flash does a great job. Oh, I, I, and I think they. I mean, Arrow does a great job, and yep. Legends of Tomorrow looks like looks like it's got to be ten million dollars a week. I mean, oh yeah. I, I leaned. I was on a panel with uh, uh, Mark at Guggenheim at at. at um, Comic-Con at San Diego, okay. and they showed the, the Legends of Tomorrow trailer, mm-hmm. and I was like, how are you going to do this? Because this looks unbelievable. He's yeah. like, yeah, it's, it's a tightrope, but it's going to be great, and they're no, going to throw the kitchen sink into there. Yeah, I mean, really they've already excited. announced, I think, Hawkman and a whole bunch of other stuff, so it's yep. going to be cool. No, and you know, it's funny. We I saw last week uh, Diggle's new costume for Arrow. Uh-huh. I like it, but it's like... Uh, I think that's Magneto. How come no one is saying this? I don't understand why nowhere in any comments. I thought that too. Nobody said that about the helmet. I'm like, well, at least maybe I'm not looking in the right place. I don't know. But I'm like, nobody thinks this looks like Magneto. And I mean, it's and also I'm glad eventually it seems like we finally will get Ray Palmer legitimately as an Adam. Right, right. Because right now he's a poor man's Iron Man. Let me just say this about that design. (laughs) In In a, you have a city. With all these archers running around, hitting, like, making amazing shots, do you really want slits where your <laughs> eyes and your nose and mouth are? Wouldn't you go, like, full Domino mask, mask or something? Yeah, I don't know. You'd have, to go full, you'd have to go, like, full Red Hood. Oh, that's true, too. Why not do that? You want somebody taking a shot right between your eyes? Like, you right. got this... You got these archers running around. That's true. I don't what know. What are you doing, Diggle? I don't know. It doesn't... I don't get it. I don't get it. That's the one thing, if I may. But otherwise, you're doing fine, Mark. Keep it up. <laughs> I, no, I'm I'm amazed. Who would have thought? You know, four four seasons. I didn't right? watch. Uh, I didn't watch uh, Amel on uh, on wrestling. Did you? Oh watch no, it? I didn't see it. <laughs> Although that's fun. Come My on. friends are big wrestling fans. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, and they were they were they thrilled. And yeah, they like, said they said he did great, and I'm like, that's cool. That's hilarious. No, but that's the thing, man. I mean, he really and he's kind of more of a rock star than Welling is was right being Superman and right. everything. It's kind of crazy. That's interesting. I don't know. I, I find that cool. How's the podcast going? Podcast is fun. Yeah, it's been great. We've been uh, uh, off for quite a bit of time because I did a bunch of in um, did a bunch of records in Denver? Phoenix. Okay, oh. with uh, um, Adam Beechin. Yes. we did a bunch in there, and then um, we're doing some in New York. Oh, good. Yeah. Blacker. So I heard Blacker's some... uh, Brew Baker interview too. Yeah, that Blacker's was good. Brew Baker, and then we've got some stuff set up for New York, which is going to be really fun. Good deal. Uh, I'm hoping to uh, flex my. Uh, my DC muscle and talk to some of these guys who I, I, I haven't talked to yet, like on the mic. I would love to talk to David Walker, who yes. does Cyborg. Yes. Um, I would love to talk to uh, Steve Orlando, who does Midnighter. Sure. Like just some some of these guys that I uh, I just haven't heard. I haven't right, heard different the inside voices. of their brains yet, you know? No, neither have I, and I haven't had the opportunity to uh, try and arrange interviews with right? them. Um, yeah, no, I would There's like some to. interesting... Whoa. That was good. There was some sort of squeak going on. Yeah. There. Some sort of um, There's some interesting voices out there in <laughs> comics right now, and I think that's great. And, I, and I'm and i really interested to hear their story and how they got there. And um, I, it, I will say 
dipping my toe in here first as a podcaster and now as a uh, writer, it's such an amazing community. Like, and it's so interesting because all these people just seem to love what they do and they all love the characters and we all love that we get to stand on the shoulders of giants and mm-hmm. add to the canon and, and do our little part. It's just been really interesting that that's been everybody that I've met. I, I haven't met anyone who's like, fuck this. I hate doing this. Right. You know, yeah, it's really about interesting. It. Yeah. I, there's so few there's, people that are. Yeah. There's are, a couple, but there really are so few that, yeah. that it doesn't matter and whatever they can be, they can stew in their own frustrations and that's fine. But you know what? It's such a, it's the kind of thing right now that if you're not doing it because you love it, why are you doing it? Because there's there's not fame and fortune and wealth around the corner for doing this kind of work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's really you got to love it and you got to push forward and you got to like you got to like what you do. And the people who don't, there's not. Well, thank you. Yeah, sorry, that's there's my a, phone. There, there's a, there, there's no joy there. And I think that shows up <laughs> on the book. I would agree. I I think uh, that yeah, the the people that are enjoying themselves, you you can definitely see it in their work and everything. Yeah. I I want the the Watchtower though to get back together again on Nerdist Writers Panel. Oh yeah. And I, well yeah, because uh, well you know we haven't heard from Len and uh, exactly yeah. yeah. And uh, you know I saw I saw Len in, I saw Len in San Diego and he and, you know he seemed great and everything and yeah. he was he was writing a rascal but really it was mostly from con- a convenience standpoint because. Len is 70-something. Yeah, and they program him, like, to within an inch of his life. Right. So he's got to get here, he's got to get there, he's got to get everywhere. And we're dog-tired, and we're 25 years younger than Len. Yeah. So I get it. And yeah. I, and, and I, you know, like, and I'm hurting. So right. So I can totally. only imagine. And yeah, because at first I'm like, oh, and then I'm like, oh, no, no, Len's no, fine. He's tireless. He loves it. And he loves yeah. it so much. He's got some really cool stuff coming out. He's got Metal Men and his Return that. to Swamp thing. Indeed. How about that? No, it's great. We're going to have to get him back together and chat with him. His Convergence uh, Swamp Thing was one of those good uh, minis. Oh, yeah. Honestly, those those two issues were, no, they were very, very classic Swamp Thing, and it was great. And honestly, I really liked what uh, Scott and Charles did with the character uh, in the the New 52. Yeah, yeah. I really thought they were good. I agree. Well, Charles Sewell is a, I mean, that He's a machine. I, I, he and Colin Bunn are I like hate their, them so much. I hate both of them so much <laughs> because I mean those guys get out some what like nine, ten, eleven books a month. I I'm understand. Like, I can't do one. <laughs> I'm having trouble getting my one out the door, guys. And like, he's a lawyer. And Charles and is a lawyer. lawyer. And yeah. he's like, oh, and I write music. I'm like, That's you know right what? too. Fuck yes. you very much. Yeah, I know you're right. Ugh. I got to talk to Charles. I haven't talked to him forever. Oh, I'm gonna. He's, I'm talking. I'm to, one of the nicest guys. Great guy, really good guy. I'm talking to Colin Bunn in Cincinnati. Um, oh, so tell, that'll be tell fun. Tell him I told him to fuck himself. I will. I will. <laughs> tell him it's hey, for of me. Of course, it's just to fuck hey, you. Hey, eat the course. Tell says to eat a bag of dicks. <sighs> no, he's a good man. Uh, he's a great guy. Actually, uh, <laughs> Jeff King and I love to make fun of Colin Bunn. Um, we, we, he, he and he takes it, and he's adorable, and oh, he's yeah. lovely, and we love him so much. He's a good man. Uh, he's the greatest. Absolutely, he's the greatest. I, but with Len, I'm curious. Um, and really, I, I was thinking I would like to get him on sometime. Uh, and because I asked Walt Simonson this question too, in terms of what what they think of where the comics media world or the comic I don't like saying journalism because right. honestly I, I want I question sometimes how much real journalism is being practiced. Right. But really like the the media, all the blogs, podcasts, everything that's out there right now. 
it is so much bigger than it was. I mean, they oh. had fanzines. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, their, their podcasts were their fanzines, and they actually created several of them right. as well. And that's why a guy like Len that was doing kind of what we do back then. Right, right. I mean, that's that might be so, you know. That's an interesting in. That's yeah. really uh, an interesting point of view with that. Because, yeah, like, you know, Walt, Walter and Len are like two of the few, like, of that age. I mean, I, I think Jerry Conway would be cool to talk about that. Marty Pasco is always yeah. cool to talk about that. Yeah. So Marv Wolfman, I don't think, wants to talk about that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, probably not. I don't know. Did you get to meet him at all uh, at the I've retreat not or met anything? Marv. I mean, I no? met Marv in passing uh, years and years and years ago at a barbecue. Okay. But he wouldn't know me from Adam. No, I was sure. just a fan. And, and uh, I have seen him coming and going when we've been shooting uh, EPKs for um, uh, electronic press kits for some of the movies. Okay. Like they bring him in to talk and, and he'll yes. um, he'll give some interviews. And I've, I, I've seen him walk out of the room and I'm always like, oh, that's Marv Wolfman. Oh my God. Oh, never mind. How are those going? Because I know um, they've had you do several. They have you do several. And even a couple that you didn't even like do the movie or whatever. And it's I like, know. get Heath Corson. They're like, get me Heath Corson to, to interview. And I'm yeah, like, but you're, oh, enough of right. a, you're enough of a fan. And you are of that group that is working in Warner Animation. Mike so. Carlin has uh, deemed me an official DC historian. Wow. By uh, how much dumb stuff I know. Hey, man. I am an official DC historian. I which like was, it. this is a funny story. They called me. <laughs> to um, do the interview for the Flashpoint Paradox. And I was like, uh, okay, but you guys know I didn't write this one. And they were like, uh, and they were emailing me back and forth. Oh, that's so funny. You're so humble. That's great. We'll see you on Friday. And I was like, okay, I cannot stress enough. I did not write that. Yeah, that's great. We'll send you questions the night before. Night before, sure enough, I get a, a whole page of questions. So when you like, wrote the Flashpoint, so when you wrote the Flashpoint, and I was like, "Guys, <sighs> I did not write this script. I cannot be more clear. I'm happy to be interviewed. I'm happy to be on camera. I'm happy to talk about it. This was not me." And finally, they wrote me the next morning at like like eight o'clock, like crazy. They're going, "Did you know you didn't write that Flashpoint paradox?" <laughs> yes. And I was like, "Yes, yes, I did. Yes, I did know that." <laughs> and I've been trying to tell you. So they were panicked because they're like, "Well, we scheduled you. We didn't get Jim Creek. Like, oh my God, what are we going? We got to shoot you." And so they called my Carlin, and my Carlin goes, ah, "He's writing some more coming down the pipe. Like, bill him as an official DC historian." And I was like. Yay! Done. <laughs> do you get Done. a flight? Do you get a Legion flight ring for that? I got to show you my Legion flight. What? Ring. Well, and they're they're back when they were you know the yeah. comic stores were giving them and stuff. But Look I hung on. To, I had to hang on to mine. Yeah. You know, I don't have any of my lantern rings anymore. I don't. I should have hung on to my flash ring. Yeah, you should have. But hung on to the but, flash I, ring. but I. But that's okay. I'm happy to Legion have my Legion flight ring. Is nice. I, I'm the I'm the last Legion fan. You are. I, no, I'm not actually. I don't think that's true. No, I don't think that's true How either. Long until we get a new Legion. I certainly hope. It, Supposedly, with what we heard post convergence, that those doors are open and those possibilities are open. Really? Well, just in terms of Dan was saying on record, yeah. hey, the whole point of this was that right. everything is fair play. Right, if you right. want to, if you knock me out with a great Legion story, we will do one. I in want theory. someone to do a great Legion story so I can do the Legion of Substitute Heroes. Absolutely. Polar Boy, Night Polar Girl. Boy. Which you can't Stone Boy. Which you can't do. Throw Chlor Stone Boy at them. Chlorophyll Kid. Chlorophyll which you Kid. Can't nice. Do until you've introduced the Legion. That's true. No, you're right about that. And uh, <laughs> and also, I mean, again, nothing against Earth Two. I like the new. I do like the new direction. I loved what Tom did, Tom Taylor, and I loved what James did to start it and stuff like that. All that said, 
Uh, I miss the 40s Justice Society. Yeah, that's I don't, interesting. I don't understand that feeling of, yeah, but if you put that out there, people aren't going to read it because it's old. And it's like, I think that uh, we will be, watch a good World War II movie. I think we will watch well, we a good watched, World, we watched Band of Brothers. Uh, Captain America. G- we exactly. watch Agent Carter. Exactly. Um, that's interesting. I hadn't so. heard that justification. I think, uh, like everything else, that... There's a time and a place for that. I would love a justice, uh, a JSA. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed like if there was one thing post-convergence, it was like, no, 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 the Justice Society, they're worth two now. And it's like, right. okay, all right. Well, whatever. you had to retcon it because um, uh, New 52 was like, well, these were the first time these heroes showed up in, right. the, in the world well, ever. And that's why I liked the premise of Earth 2 originally. And also I trusted James uh-huh. Robinson because James is a great wor- world builder and he right. had a lot of interesting politics going on right. and a lot of other things and again tom picked up the baton and ran with it bucolato did it as well i don't know who currently is writing uh earth Earth two yeah it's uh dan wilson isn't it okay yeah okay doing uh earth two society i think yes that's right and that's what it's really interesting yeah i'll I'll be honest i i the byproduct of what happens to earth two in convergence other than providing a device for the sake of the event it didn't seem necessary. It also seemed like, oh, okay, they're building a new world. Well, when we <laughs> we start the new books, the world is built. Right. Boy, that was something. That right. was that was a task. Right. It's like, okay. We missed it. We jumped, <laughs> exactly. we jumped the whole thing that was hard. Exactly. Oh, so that's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. That's whatever. interesting. Yeah, you know, whatever. I, I you know, I'll, I'll keep it light. I'll keep it happy. <laughs> you know, no, I, you know, it, it's 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 the it's interesting when we talk about something like this, because the notion that all bets are off, you could tell any story in any place, is the curse of the white page, of the blank page. It's like, if you could do everything, that doesn't give you anything. So it's very difficult to find your way to to something, because there's no constraints, there's no boundaries, there's no way to brush off of something and bounce and play off of something. You're okay. almost building in a vacuum because that's that's true. Really hard. Yeah. So yes. if you say like, "Hey, go redo the JSA," I mean, that's great, but that's a very that's daunting. That's yeah. a really yes. daunting, like scary thing to sure. go. Holy crap! Now what? Where do we start? What do you do? Right? Are we on a world? Are we on a crazy world that we've never heard of? Do we twist everything? Do we invert it? Do I do the ones that I've always loved? Do I? I don't know. It's really. And I like some of the other. Well, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just thinking, and I thought, you know, it's. It, I think it just goes back to what I was saying. It, it, it's sometimes too much freedom doesn't give you enough to play off of. I, I would agree with that. I, I like Thomas Wayne uh-huh. as Batman. I like um, the, Af- well, he's not an African-American. He's an African, or he's a, he's a Kryptonian of color. Right. Uh, as, as Superman, uh-huh. I think is a brilliant idea. I mean, that's the thing. So the diff- the few differences they've made, I really do enjoy. Um, uh, but yeah, I just, I, I do think there was a place for those classic 40s, Characters right. and even as much as Marguerite is doing with the bombshells, yeah, and that's awesome. But it's like you know, you had plenty of forties women that oh, you could use. Um, you know what? In, in I those stories as well. I think the no, bombshells is a great. It's idea. a lot of fun. I think it's so much fun. And and you know what is is interesting? I'm going to go back on what I said. Sometimes it is easier to. Uh, 
to shrug off continuity and and be able to build something new sure. than it is to have to go, okay, what do I have to – how do I untangle some of this? I suppose. So to go back to bombshells and just go, you know what? We're going to rebuild this from scratch. We got these – these maquettes and we're going to give them histories. We're going to give them relationships. Like, I think that's great. No, I agree with that too. And I absolutely, um, I, I just like, and to the broader story, I mean, or the broader argument, I just think that there is room that if I wanted to like tell like Neil Adams with Batman Odyssey for better or for worse, he basically stepped back to the silver age and said, I'm telling a silver age Batman story. Right. Correct. And, and, you know, you can either like it or dislike it. That's fine. But for me, it was like, oh, this is fine. Right. And I like I would love to read a classic Superboy, Mon Pa, right. Kent, General Store. Yeah. That, or even yeah. the farm, whatever. I'd like to, you know, with Lana's insect less and, you know, just or any silliness that you wanted to put in there. You know who's doing something that's going to be interesting? I think you might see one or two of that is um, Max Landis is doing yes. a seven issue uh, Superman yep. series. And yep. I think you do see a Mon Pa Kent Superboy, uh, at least in one issue. Well, but it's not going to be. I mean, I'm just saying, like, there's nothing wrong with, like, us getting a good yeah. in the style of. Yeah. And I don't know if Max is going to be in the style of or if it's going to be more Children of the Corn. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who Which, knows? But I mean, I'm interested actually yeah. in Max's story. No, I think you know the whole thing is very. It's an interesting idea. I think but it's that's a really thing. interesting idea. You know, but but yeah, if like like when Byrne and I always I I feel like an ass when I when I bring up something from the past. But like John Byrne did that crossover oh, yeah. of Captain America and Batman from the 40s, right? And it was great, and it looked like a Dick Sprang comic, and Bucky and Robin were kind of sizing each other up. And not like Robin, especially, just seemed to be burning, and Bucky was just nothing but confident. Like I could kick your ass if I needed to, and it was funny as hell. But it was just like them, you know. Uh, Commissioner Gordon looked like uh, I'm trying to think of a modern uh, version of what you know that white, the white hair, the, the mustache, the glasses, and everything. You're cla- it's you awesome, know. yeah. So I don't know. I think that what's great about these characters that we love is the elasticity of them. Exactly, and but that's can, what I'm you saying. You can stretch them and pull them and put them in different places. And, and so it was one of the things that I loved about Bizarro and and just that we didn't ask for a lot of permission. We did what we wanted to do. And luckily, our editors were sort of like, I was like, is this going to step on toes? And Eddie, to his to his credit, was Eddie like, Berganza. What are we going to do? It's Bizarro. Yeah. Like someone's going to get angry over no. like well, Bizarro? And, and coming off of uh, the Dorkin and, and Company Bizarro comics right. from a few years ago. No, absolutely like, not. What are they going to do? They're going to get outraged over yeah, exactly. that we have Superman without the, the red uh, underwear <laughs> and Bizarro. We put the red <laughs> underwear pack on him. Like we even had quite a bit of fun with that where we gave Bizarro pockets. We gave him a red, uh, <laughs> red, ca- red cargo shorts <laughs> so that he's like, I need these because I need pockets. That's awesome. The Batman Unlimiteds that you did. So, uh-huh. uh, which which stories did I you do? I did. Um, uh, the first one was uh, Animal Instincts, and okay, the second yes, yes. one was called Monster Mayhem, which just came out, which was uh, the Joker story. Oh, that's which great. I was very. You, you'll get a big kick out of it because it was very much inspired by uh, the Laughing Fish Joker. Oh, fantastic! Because the idea is Joker puts together this uh, this crazy group of like scary Halloweeny villains. It's um. Clayface and it's Scarecrow and it's Silver Banshee and it's Solomon Grundy. Cool. So um, Sam Register, the head of the uh, 
uh, Warner Brothers Animation, really wanted to throw together people that we've never seen team up before. And I thought that was really a great idea. So we got to put all these weird villains together working for the Joker, right? Very cool. So the Joker comes up with a... um, And because we're in the future, we really play on our over-reliance of technology. So the Joker comes up with, a la the Laughing Fish, a virus that makes all all of technology laugh. Very good. Uh, thus disabling all technology in Gotham City, including cool. the Batmobile, the Batwing, and Cyborg. Oh, wow. Turning those things against our team. Interesting. So it's really cool. That's cool. When did uh, that come out? really fun. That one just came out. It just dropped in stores. Today? Uh, no, I or... think uh, two weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. So go run out and get that one. Oh, it's man. really fun. And it's just a classic... Batman story for everybody. You know, I just think that what I love about getting to do those is that everyone deserves their Batman. Everyone deserves to see their version of Batman. And there wasn't a Batman on TV. There wasn't a Batman for kids. So this is a real, like, kids cartoony Batman. Yes. um, Which is great. No, I've seen the clips on, you know, the the news sites and everything. And, no, they look like fun. I mean, that's the thing, man. No, I mean, they're tied into an action figure line. So they're definitely to sell toys. And, you know, we had We had had 15 years of the classic Fox uh, Tim, Bruce Tim, Batman. And nobody, you know, that's that's its own thing. And God bless you. Know, that's all right. You can. No, no, please don't worry about it. But, yeah, that's great. Really, the the Batman series that followed it kind of grew on me. Finally, I think in the last couple oh, of which seasons. One, the Beware of the Batman yeah, that be, they did. Yes. Yeah. The CGI. Oh, no, no, not the No, the one before that. The one with the edge uh, uh, theme music. That was oh. uh, the early 2000s. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Post post Justice League. Right. So and pre right. ba- pre Brave and Bold, yeah, I loved Brave and Bold. Brave, Brave and Bold, was and great. Beware the Batman was really interesting, uh-huh. and no, and it was fun and everything. So no, like you said, you can't you can't hurt Batman again. And it's, it's, you know, it speaks to the elasticity of these yes, characters absolutely. that you can reinvent them. You Definitely. can re- you can put them through a bunch of different filters, and they can mean different things to different people. And no that's question. amazing. And I do think. You got to you, you always want to keep a version of Batman out there for kids as dark yes. and gritty as this character can get. I think that every kid deserves to grow up with the Batman because like my it. my I've told the story a bunch. But my sister said to me when I after I did Justice League War and I did Batman Assault on Arkham, she's like, look, your nephews who are seven yeah, and nine know that you write cartoons. They know that you write Batman. I can't show them any of these shows. Yeah, especially Assault on especially Arkham. Especially Assault on Arkham. Which is awesome. And, and <laughs> she says, when are you going to do something that I can show them? And so that really, when I, I jumped at the chance to be able to do I respect uh, that. these uh, uh, Batman Unlimited. Absolutely. Because it's like, you're absolutely right. Why can't? Batman's for everybody. Absolutely. You know, we no, should I, all be able to grab our hey, version of that character. Yes, sir. So, uh, every tribe should have their own version. Amen. And I think that's great. No, I agree with that. Did they like uh, Spy Quest? They did like Spy Good. Quest. They should. They liked Dom and Jerry better than I think they liked uh, uh, the, the, the Johnny Quest. Though. Yeah, but yeah. that's okay. That's yeah. all right. But, uh, you know, they just like, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're two boys. They just like hitting each other. So they're like, <laughs> Tom and Jerry's awesome. <laughs> You know, you turn your back on them for 10 seconds and they've stripped down to the waist and they're wrestling on the couch. 
I, well, yeah. uh, we both remember when we were that age. Sure. I, I, I can so, appreciate you know, that. They love Tom and Jerry because they love the fact that these guys will just, you know, whack each other. Is So uh, I'm interested in the Warner Animation hierarchy. Where is James Tucker still with everybody? James Tucker is still with is, them. Is, is, absolutely. Is, now, is he? He's the big guy. He is the big guy still. Yeah. Okay. So what is Sam Register? It's the first time Sam I've heard Sam is that. the head of uh, all of Warner Animation. So I he's see. the guy who sort of runs everything. everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Scooby-Doo and every, well, everything, everything. Everything. He's the guy who was in charge of uh, all the stuff that they do. Okay. The Teen Titans Go, uh, all of it. Okay. Um, yeah. So they're deal. doing some, some, I mean, just great, cool stuff. Cool. You know, Vixen looks great. Vixen looks great. What a smart idea. Yes, too. indeed. Very I much I thought so. that was a very smart idea. I completely agree. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely I wonder agree. if we're going to get a version of her in the show now. I it think it's be. a foregone conclusion. I think so, too, right? Yeah. That'd I really cool. do. No, I, I really do. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if even before this season, this coming season ends, yeah. that she shows up. I and I hope so. I think that'd be great. I hope so, too. Yeah, man. No, it's... I mean, it seems like we're in an era where none of these characters are out of bounds. Like, they're going to find a way to shoehorn everybody in one of the, what, half a dozen... Well, and shows she's, that they have, but she truly is. Um, God, not to not to break it down to demographics, but really, probably the most powerful African American uh, character that you could have from the DC universe for a woman. Uh, yeah, probably. I don't. I, I don't know who's a stronger woman. Yeah, you're probably right. So why not? And I mean, that's the thing. And you know, you got Katana, and you've got all these other great. Uh, uh, heroes of color that are finally starting to happen and stuff, and that's that's fantastic. It's fantastic. Well, that's I mean that's the thing, man. I I appreciate the frustration that that a lot of people have that it's not happening fast enough. I agree, but but I do think that you need to get that um, group that has been established for decades out there first, and then and then int- the best way to do it is to introduce these other characters. On these established like platforms, and even though Vixen is doing her own thing, having the Flash and Arrow there, right, and even animated and stuff, it just you know it just makes it better. And the same with the Batman stuff with Beware the Batman and Brave and Bold and all those right. things. It's like no, this is a good way to kind of bridge that. And then once you know once you establish them and stuff, then let them go. I agree. Let them go. So I mean, no, there's nothing but opportunity here. And the God, the streaming platforms that are out there right now. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about this before, and both on the record and off the record and stuff. It's an incredible time. And it's just like, understand that, like, you know, they can't, they can't make everything immediately. Right. And, I, and I do think that they are, I think they truly are, they hear the audience saying, we want people that look like us. And it's oh, like, well, don't worry, well, it goes they're coming. back to what we were saying about Batman. Every tribe deserves the right to see themselves reflected sure. in their heroes. Oh, yeah. I absolutely agree with that. I really, really do. I think that you I, and I do understand the anger because you uh, 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 the squeaky wheel gets the gets the grease. There's that. So and I also do get that. And there have been initiatives in the past that didn't that fell short that or or fell apart. You know, right. I mean, that's the thing, like Milestone, we're, we're on the verge of right. Milestone 2.0. And it's like, I don't know what happened the first time. Right. And I'm still trying to find out. I'm, I'm hoping to talk to Dennis Cowan in the oh, weeks ahead. Cool. Yeah. I, you know, I had Reggie Hudlin and I only had him for a half hour. And God, there's just so much to talk about with yeah. Reggie Hudlin. And and I've I've talked to Dennis before. I'm such a fan. And I'm really looking forward to talking to him. But yeah, as someone, because Reggie's the new guy on Milestone. Right. So I wanted to talk to Dennis and say, okay, well, you know. You know, without without having to like you know, 
go over the books and, and get into some nitty gritty that maybe people don't want, you know, out there in the open. Just any type of explanation of like what happened. Right. And, you know, I'm glad that uh, there's still an, a relationship between Warners and Milestone in that capacity for the established characters. But also they're talking like, hey, this isn't all we're going to be doing. We are going to be creating original stuff and have That's the great. right to. That's great. So I just think there's leverage to start with a static and, and icon and some of these other great characters in Rocket and and then, you know, tra- you know, keep it going with, all right, you like that stuff? Well, check out this other stuff that we got and we own it we own it lock stock and barrel it's we can do whatever swings. we want like with you it. know we were saying off we were saying off mic like you need to take big swings with the, with this stuff yes. like none yes. of this i feel like you can't be precious with any of this like no. um uh, what's the new um uh dinosaur uh moon girl and dinosaur devil, devil dinosaur, dinosaur. Yeah. what a great charming design Absolutely. i haven't seen anything of the book but i was like this is a adorable, charming design, oh, yeah. and I was like, "I'll check this out." And it's and you know, and it's got ties to Kirby. Yeah, I mean, that's the great thing. It's something new along with again. I mean, that's the thing. It's something new alongside something old. It's the elasticity. It it's it the elasticity yep. of these characters. Like twist them, play with them, pull them, let them do new stuff, and give us new. Because all it does is opens up new vistas for storytelling. Yep, which is what even more opportunities. Know, which is more opportunity. Which yep. look as. Readers, we've seen a lot. You got at some point feel like a soap opera consumer where you're like, oh, great, another evil twin. We've seen it. Oh, great, again, a coma. Like, you've seen it. So the thing you want to do is twist it. Bring bring some bring some new life into these characters or give us something else. Like you said, something new, something old. That's why it was important for us to have. Uh, this very different take on Bizarro, but anchor him with Jimmy Olsen. Definitely, like it's a it's a classic comedy team. You know, we're doing we're doing Chris Farley and David Spade. Absolutely, it is Tommy Boy. I mean, that, it's Tommy Bizarro Boy. Bizarro Boy. It's Bizarro Boy. <laughs> we're doing that. We're doing John Candy and Steve Martin and planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> like we're doing The Hangover. We're doing all these guys. That's we're, we're really uh, uh, we have a little tip to Rain Man in uh, number five. Oh, good. Once we get to Vegas. <laughs> All right. That's cool. Because, yeah, I mean, I, you know, like I said, I liked your Rain Man not in uh, Spy Quest. So yeah. that was fun. Yeah. Too so we say uh, um, Bizarro <laughs> ends up being very good at cards. Definitely. And Jimmy goes. Uh, Definitely black. Are you, are you counting cards? <laughs> and Bizarro's like, no. One, two, three. And he's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> No, he's not. Not only is he not no, counting cards, he has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> that's awesome. He's literally counting the cards. Of course. Yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, it's, man. It's oh my gosh, it's it's just been so. Yeah, we're we're doing this classic road trip story, Definitely. you know. So that's been it's just been great, but you have to anchor something with uh, something brand spanking new with something recognizable. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And it's been interesting. The nuts and bolts of writing for Bizarro has been challenging because I think you can tell me if you think I'm right. I think the character can wait, can overstay his welcome. Absolutely. I think that Absolutely. It, it can be hard to read. And with as, you know, as quickly as you read a comic book and you're scanning through and da 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 anything that bumps you pace wise I think is bad. I agree with so you. So you got to be careful that the Bizarro dialect, the way Bizarro speaks, 
is clear enough that you can scan through, see what it is, and go, wait, what is, oh, okay, I get it. Okay, I'm still going. <laughs> so it, that means yeah. that you don't give him as much dialogue as you might want to in the first place. You know, you got to make sure that Jimmy carries a lot of that dialogue so that we're that you're okay. Well, and the Greek chorus is reacting to what he does, too. That's right. So, no, it's, I, I like it. And, and yeah, I think you're, I think you're, you're handling it well, sir. And okay, I, good. And, I, and I'm excited. We're, we're at the halfway point. We're at the halfway point. Three, three issues to go. Issue four is next week. Yes. We'll get to six. But uh, Gustavo Duarte and uh, Heath Corson on Bizarro is uh, is a great book, and there's plenty of time to jump back on. I would promote your signing, but it has it's already be, happened already in the happening. timey-wimey uh, word yeah. balloon world. Because, well, the next one. But yes. And uh, no, man, great to see you. Uh, I hope I'm 50-50 for New York. So You're 50-50. If, so. well, if people are in New York, I will be there. Gustavo will be there. Oh, that's um, great. Stop by his booth. I'll probably be sitting at his booth for a while. Oh, cool. Um, so that'll be fun. You can go come see both of us. We are both going to be on the DC All Access panel on Sunday. Okay. Uh, I think it's at 12-15, so come uh, yell at us there. Are you doing any Nerdist uh, We will performing be doing some well? Nerdist Super Week stuff okay. on uh, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, and I believe maybe some stuff there, so uh, okay. uh, follow me on Twitter at, at Heath Corson, and uh, I'll be promoting all that stuff there. But uh, uh, come yell at me and Gustavo. It'll be the first time that we meet oh, in wow. person. It's so when Titans clash. When Titans clash. No, I like it, man. No, keep it up. Uh, great to see you. And like I said, if I if I am in New York, then I will definitely yeah, look you please. up. Yeah, please. Absolutely. Of course. It's always course. a pleasure. No, and when you're and when you're in town, we will come back to the, the Wayne Towers uh, penthouse uh, Batcave <laughs> and... Uh, we will open up another dialogue with Heath Corson. But as always, thank you, dude. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. There you go. Another word balloon is in the books. I hope you enjoyed this uh, conversation. There's uh, more to come. As I say, I'm off to uh, Cincy Comic-Con this weekend. Hope uh, to see everybody out there and uh, shake your hand and thank you personally for uh, everything in terms of uh, enjoying uh, the show and the nice things you guys say. And thank you for supporting the show. So uh, looking forward to that and bringing you some great coverage uh, in the uh, days ahead right here on Word Balloon. Uh, Word Balloon is brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much league for your support via patreon if uh, you want to help word balloon out go to the word balloon website click on the tab it'll tell you all you need to know if you can uh, spare a buck or two and appreciate the programming that you hear on word balloon every week uh that would really be great uh, it helps me uh, travel to conventions and uh, book uh, these uh, rare uh, opportunity guests and uh, it, they come through Always great conversation, man, and it's uh, due uh, in part to the support of the League of Word Balloon listeners. As I always tell you, the best things you can do to help Word Balloon out, if you listen via iTunes, uh, write a review, like me on there, give me a rating, good or bad uh, review, it doesn't matter. And also, more importantly, tell a friend, if they don't know about Word Balloon, hey... They should be listening because they might enjoy the conversation as well. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com, where great deals are happening on things like Luke Cage, Trade Paperback Volume 1, Second Chances. Uh, this is a very interesting collection of uh, Luke Cage stories, collecting Cage from 90, 1992, uh, issues 1 through 12, and material from Marvel Comics Presents. Remember that, the weekly, uh, from uh, issue uh, 82 of that finally weekly book. 
50% off, just $17.49. You can also get uh, Descender from Jeff Lemire and Dustin Nguyen. The first volume is available now. Ten stars, 50% off, $4.99. Sean Murphy, Mark Miller, Chrononauts. Volume 1 is 50% off, $4.99. John Hickman's Wrap-Up to Avengers. Uh, Time Runs Out, Trade Paperback Volume 1, The Beginning of the End, What Leads to Secret Wars, happens here in Time Runs Out. John Hickman, boy, lots of artists over here, Mike Diodato, Jimmy Chung. Volume 1 is 50% off, it's just $9.99. You can get the uh, Wonder Woman George Perez Omnibus hardcover. Here's a big ticket item that's at a reasonable price. 45% off, it's just $41.25. Perez was just an amazing creator on Wonder Woman. All that is waiting for you at InStockTrades.com. There's lots more deals as well. Check it out for yourself, InStockTrades.com. John Sutra saying thanks again for listening to Word Balloon. Looking forward to uh, talking to you in a few days to start bringing you coverage from Cincy Comic Con. Plus, lots more guests are coming up via phone, via Skype. Uh, I I will continue to beat the bushes and uh, continue to bring you new and returning guests. I hope you enjoy it and looking forward to uh, bringing you more conversation in the days ahead. Until next time, have a great weekend. Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2015.